Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. St. Louis. Happy Monday. Michelle Smallman here with you on Character and Smallman. Randy Character is not here today. He is playing a little golf in the Mizzou Golf Tournament. So hopefully Randy hits him well, hits him straight. But never fear, we have a great guest hanging out with us all morning long. Alexa Dad of Valley Sports Midwest is going to be with us from 7 to 10. She is here with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Alexa. How are you? Good morning, Michelle. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Randy likes golf, by the way. Every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, he's a big golfer. The dude is obsessed. It is adorable. When I listen to the show and he gets to talk about golf, you can tell. You can't see him, obviously. He's on the radio. You can tell he lights up. Like There's just there's sunlight like beaming from his eyes. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. Awesome. So you're, good for Randy. You're absolutely right. He talks about it all the time, and he always um, laments the fact that he doesn't get to play as much as he would That's like right. to. So good for him to get the day off to play. Absolutely. It's a win-win. Randy gets to play golf, which means he's going to be happy the rest of the week, and it's a win <laughs> for us because you get to come hang out with us for the entire morning. You, of course, see Alexa doing great work on Valley Sports Midwest. She is fresh off a trip to Chicago, the Cards and Cubs, at Wrigley for a five-game set over the weekend. First of all, Alexa, your observations of your first I'm covering the Cardinals, Cards, Cubs at Wrigley. Yeah, it was cool. And I think a lot of these younger players were, you know, understanding of the history and the the awe that surrounds Wrigley, but also didn't let it become an uh, something that was in the forefront of their mind. Mm-hmm. They went out there and they played baseball, which to me was probably the most impressive takeaway from the weekend, that you had so many rookies stepping into a historical baseball stadium where, and I guess, you know, people in St. Louis aren't going to think it's as big of a deal, but it is. It's a huge deal for these rookies. They grew up watching guys play in Wrigley, listening to baseball historians talk about some of the oldest players play the game there. And now they get the chance to be on the biggest stage and they didn't let themselves be overwhelmed by it. So for me, that was the the biggest takeaway. And it was cool to be at Wrigley. Wrigley is uh, always a, a good time. And good weather. Summertime shy in Chicago. You got to Yesterday was gorgeous. That. Great hard seltzers on the river <laughs> walk. That was a, the highlight of the weekend for me, for sure. I'm sure that was for a lot of Cardinals fans. A lot of Cardinals fans always love making that early summer weekend trip to Chicago for Cards Cubs. One of the best rivalries in sports. Friday, the Cardinals lost to the Cubs 7-5. to We had two on Saturday, 14-5. The Cardinals took the first game. They split that day as the Cubs took the second one, 6-1. to 7-4. For the Cardinals. And then last night we had Sunday Night Baseball. And this was a very entertaining game. There's so many things happening in this one. The Cardinals take it 5-3 in extras. But, Alex, I want to start with Adam Wainwright, who once again comes out for the Cardinals. And whenever the Cardinals need Waino, 
to give them a strong outing. He's there. He delivers. Seven innings, allowed two runs, nine hits, two walks, struck out zero. It was an interesting line for Wayno. It's the second time he's gone seven innings with no strikeouts. In the beginning of the game, it looked like he didn't really have his stuff, didn't really have his command. But like number 50 does, he adjusts. He finds that feel. He settles in and he deals. He was carving up the edges all night and another strong effort from Adam Wainwright. He's one of the smartest pitchers in the game. The fact that he understands that this team needs him to eat innings and goes out there and performs, it's remarkable. But it's Adam Wainwright. He's been doing this his entire career. And he also is very aware of the fact that, listen, I've got this defense behind me. I'm going to utilize it. If I don't have my best stuff, that's okay. I'm not going to let that get to me. And, and yeah, of course, if you're Adam Wainwright, you want to strike guys out. But he said, if I threw it over the plate, they were swinging and they were letting themselves get themselves out. So they were doing it to themselves. Great. Fine. If I don't have to strike guys out and I can still go out there and give you seven innings, protect the bullpen, especially when we have this crazy weekend playing all these games in this mm-hmm. doubleheader. Uh, I'll go out there and do it. Absolutely. And you mentioned the defense. The Cardinals gloves are really on display in this one. We saw a lot of amazing athleticism and defense from the Cardinals. And you're right. That's why Adam Wainwright can pitch contact because he knows the guys behind him are going to take care of business. We saw some great diving plays from Edmundo Sosa. Mm -hmm. Harrison Bader had that sliding play in center field. Brendan Donovan. What a weekend for Brendan Donovan. The guy's just a baseball player. You mentioned the young players that have come up and really infused this Cardinals team with a lot of production and a lot of energy. Juan Yepes has done it. Nolan Gorman has done it. But I think all of us are just really taken aback by what we've seen out of Brendan Donovan. Donovan. Donovan's college coach, when he was younger, told him to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And he didn't fully understand what that meant until he was asked to do so many different things and basically just had to be good at all of them. And he's like, okay, well, this is what this means because I don't have a daily assignment where I just come in, here's my task, complete it, and move on. I come in not really knowing what's going to happen. And I got to perform at every level. The fact that he shows up with four or five gloves and a bag on the bench. He's a gamer. He goes in and battles every at-bat. He sees more pitches than anyone else on the team. His two-strike approach is flawless. He does not let the moment become too big for him. And this kid is still a rookie. He is so (laughs) young. And and where can he go from here? I mean, you know... uh, He's got really high expectations, but he's meeting all of them, which is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the young guys, Lars Newtbar was one of the heroes of last night. He was pinch hitting in the 11th. I believe Harrison Bader leads off with a triple. Lars Newtbar coming in for the pinch hit, and it pays off. 0-2 to Newtbar. That ball's in the center. It's down. And it worked. Alem Armal pinch hits Lars Newtbar. He delivers Harrison Bader, and we are tied at three. Harrison Bader smacking one off the ivy there. We saw the wheels in motion. There's so many fast guys on this team. Harrison Bader can certainly fly. First career triple, or excuse me, ninth career triple, first of the season. Large new bar coming in. The moment not too big for him. The Cardinals tie it 3-3, and they're not done. Another young guy, Juan Yepes, with the go-ahead. Harrison Bader on deck for the Cardinals. Next pitch. That's lined to the center. That's going to get down. Borman being waved in. He'll come home. And thanks to the RBI single from Juan Yepes, the Cardinals have gone on top. And the man of the hour, the man of the weekend, the man we've all been talking about, Brendan Donovan, with an insurance run. Two balls and a strike to Donovan. This one into right. That's going to get down. That's going to play Bader easily. Hayward picks it up. And a double for 
Donovan. And the Cardinals add to their lead. Also, appreciation for Henesis Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Tossing four innings of relief for Wayno, including a perfect 11th inning, allowed a run on two hits, struck out five for the win. They needed him to go th- go a little bit longer. It was his longest outing since throwing four and two-thirds inning since 2019. So for a weekend where the Cardinals were worried about covering a lot of innings because of all the games they had and the way that the pitchers were lined up, shout out to Adam Wainwright and of course, shout out to Henesis Cabrera for being able to give the Cardinals those innings in, in a winning effort last night. There was a lot of behind the scenes that I saw this weekend at Wrigley that made me laugh, especially as a baseball fan. Going down in the tunnel and watching Lars Newbar get hitting advice from Paul Goldschmidt. And not only hitting advice, but he's walking him through his stance, where he's putting his hands in the zone, how his barrel is getting through. I mean, breaking it all down step by step because Newbar had been struggling a bit. And Newbar is constantly trying to learn from every single person that will share information with him. Goldie's a good one yes, to, get some, to get some uh, info from. So watching that transpire and then Newbar going out there and, and giving this team exactly what they needed was, was really fun for me. Bader loves playing at Wrigley. His numbers there are astounding. It's kind of like a, a bright lights, you know, big city kind of a vibe for him. And, you know, he turns it on. So... For him to, you know, hit that triple was was big for him too. But I think just all around, them playing small ball, this is their style and this is what's going to get them through this season. But guys just battling at the plate. These young kids not shying away from the moment. It's the defining element of this team right now. It really is. And then, yeah, getting huge spots from different guys throughout the weekend on the mound. You mentioned Lars Newbar getting advice from Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. If I was one of these young players, there couldn't be a better team in baseball for me to be on from a resource standpoint, from a knowledge standpoint, from a mentorship standpoint. When you look around, oh, there's Paul Goldschmidt. I can talk to him. Nolan Arenado. I'll talk to him. <laughs> oh, Adam Wainwright's been around. He's won a couple World Series. Let me talk to him about what things are like. Oh, Yadier Molina? Maybe I could get some advice for him. <laughs> Not to mention, maybe the best right-handed hitter that we've seen in this generation in Albert Pujols. Yeah. There's such a wealth of information from these guys. We know Juan Yepes has been basically a shadow for Albert Pujols, which mm-hmm. has been great. But if I'm these young guys, and especially these veterans that are so willing to impart their knowledge and want to be mentors for these young players, I'm thinking my lucky stars that I'm in this oppor- in this position because what a rare opportunity for you to soak up some incredible baseball knowledge from winning and slash Hall of Fame baseball players. Of course. No, that's a great point. And when I spoke to a couple of the guys in the clubhouse, especially players who have been on several other teams, I said, when in your career have you seen a mix of rookies and veterans gel as well as this team has no one could name a former team that they'd play for that even came close to rivaling what the Cardinals have right now because not only do you have the Hall of Famers you have the the Wainwright the Pujols the Yadier Molina and then you have the rookies right bridging the gap are the everyday guys who go out and perform at the highest level the Paul Goldschmidt's and the Arenado so it's not like you have these really old guys and these really young guys Mm -hmm. it's just this awesome mix all together plus you have a manager who's one of the best communicators I've seen in baseball being able to really focus on getting these guys mental approach to the sport locked down that's his passion it's not going out there and doing hitting drills it's not watching guys throw bullpens 
him sitting down and basically breaking down the psychology of different players, observing them, seeing how they react to different situations, whether it's a tough at bat or it's a tough play in the field or, or vice versa to their success. That's what he's observing and that's how he makes decisions based on on who he's going to play and, and how they're playing, which is pretty cool to see. It really is. It's a great combo, and they're a fun team to watch. Again, the Cardinals and extras last night taking home the victory on Sunday Night Baseball 5-3. to three. So that was good news for St. Louisans. In the NBA Finals, not so much for a lot of us who are rooting for Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA. Tatum drives down and throws it down! Wow! And he reps his city. Who do you got in the Super Bowl tonight? Jason Tatum Minute on Carriker and Smallman. Tatum getting downhill to the basket. Got it. He's off to a good start. Step back three by Jason Tatum. And he laid some big shots in the floor. Wide open Tatum. And he drains it. Richard on the baseline. Tatum guarded by Curry. Sidestep three. Splash. Tatum, four for ten. Three, another one. That's his fourth one of the first quarter. He's got 16. Tatum on top. Tatum for three. Man, he is on fire here in the first half. That's his fifth three-pointer of the first. A couple highlights there from Jason Tatum, who was 8 for, uh, for 19, 6 of 9 from three-point range. Team leading 28 points, but unfortunately the Warriors take game to 107-88. And when the chef is cooking, you just, you know it's going to be a rough night. Steph Curry said that he had lost sleep after the game one collapse of the Golden State Warriors. He turned it on. He had 34 points in game one. Came back with a very strong game, too. 29 points, 9 for 21 shooting from the field. And, Matt, I know you were watching this game. Our resident basketball nerd here, nerd slash nut, Matt Rocchio. Nerd's fair. Nerd is completely <laughs> That's fair. Okay, By just... the way, lost sleep. Come on, Steph Curry. You sleep in the most luxurious sets of sheets. Your bedroom is probably nicer than all of our homes combined. Your very lovely wife has a cooking show. So yeah, it's, not like it's, like it's not like you were going home. A hyperbaric chamber. You ate well. You slept where. Get out of here. No, you guys. When you're a competitor and uh-huh. then you have a collapse like that in game one, you're going to lose sleep. <laughs> doesn't matter what your environment's like. It's going to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, what did you see from the Celtics? How did they adjust and take game three. I mean, Jason Tatum can't do it all on his own. I mean, he out, he outscored the rest of the starting lineup 28 to 23. Marcus Smart and, and Derek White were the only ones to have double to score in double digits for the Celtics. They just didn't step up. You know, this is going to be kind of a more defensive matchup than I think people think. I mean, the Celtics were the number one defense in the in the league in the regular season. The Warriors were number two. But when you have some of these offensive players, you expect 113 to 108. But no, these games are going to be won because a team is going to lock down defensively, and that's what the Warriors were able to do. Question is, can the Celtics do it again in game three? I I have no idea. These this is NBA playoffs has been the most back and forth thing I've ever seen. It's Bizarre. blowout after blowout, but it's just back and forth. Different teams blowing each other out. At this point, coaching is is more important, I think, than ever in the NBA because these adjustments from game to game are clearly affecting these teams in huge swings. Yeah, it's so funny that we're talking about the the Celtics' lack of defense on the Warriors because the previous series we were talking about the Celtics' defense shutting down the Nets. So it was incredible. like it's like the complete opposite, right? So those game adjustments are really what's going to be the, the deciding factor. Well, Jay- but like I'm looking at the box score, nobody else showed up. Yep. 
No, 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 no. Jason Tatum's out on an island. He's by himself. Where is everyone else? Golden State Warriors defense that strong? No, stop it. Come on. This is the NBA playoffs. Step up. It's it's the craziest thing in the world. Again, it's just it's not. This isn't a LeBron James series. This isn't going to be one player takes over for four game stretch and just dominates. These teams are too good. They're too deep, and these coaches are too good. I mean, Udoka's you know he learned some things from Greg Popovich, and and Brad Stevens isn't you know sitting there idle. I don't think in the in the GM's office. He's probably in you know in the film room helping him out here and there. They're just these coaching staffs are incredible. These teams are deep. This isn't a surface level NBA Finals. This is a deep deep NBA Finals defense coaching. Those things matter again. Well, Jason Tatum says in order for the Celtics to bounce back and take game three, they're going to have to get it done at home. Playing with a sense of urgency. I think human nature plays a part. And when you go on the road, obviously, you know, it's, it's a tougher environment. I feel like recently we kind of relaxed at home. Just, you know, whether we thought because we had home court advantage, uh, you know, we came out a little more relaxed. So just having that sense of urgency, uh, you know, knowing that we're at home, but you know, that we need to play better. That's Matt Rocchio, Alexa Dat, Michelle Smallman. We'll see if Jason Tatum can, in fact, play better. The Celtics as a whole need to play better and take game three in Boston. It's Karakur and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, three things that we left from the weekend. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Smallman here on 101 ESPN. No Randy Carricker today, but we have the very amazing Alexa Dat of Bally Sports Midwest filling in for Randy today. She's going to be hanging out with us until 10 a.m. Yeah, that's me just like laughing coming into the break randomly over <laughs> your intro. So just ignore me. I'm not great at these, uh, you know, ins no, and outs here on radio just yet. That was dubbed in. No, that was dubbed in the intro. I was, <laughs> no, I was got Alexa Dat lives just in our in our rejoins now. I'm just, just letting laughs. the breaks bleed into the blocks. That's, uh, that's a no-no in radio, apparently. No, it's great because it tells you that we're actually having fun and laughing during the commercial <laughs> breaks. It's so fun to have Alexa here. It was a jam-packed weekend of sports. We had so much going on on the sports scene, not only nationally, but of course here locally in St. Louis. And Alexa and I are going to give you our three favorite things from the weekend. Number three. Game one on Saturday, Alexa. My third favorite thing is Ali Marmal. We saw the blood temperature rise for him. So Scott Efros was the pitcher. Tommy Edmond at the plate. Let's just set the scene here. Yeah. Four run deficit. Bases loaded in the seventh. Two outs for the Cubs. So... Scott Efros gets ahead 0-2 in the count. He's working, or Tommy Edmond is working the count, good at bat. The zone had been a little sus all day. Some <laughs> of the calls had been a little sus all day. And you could see the frustration building in the Cardinals dugout. You could see the frustration building with Ali Marmol. And there is a pitch that's clearly outside. Mm-hmm. Tommy Edmond gets rung up. And Ali Marmol was not having it. <laughs> It was the straw that broke the camel's back. He goes out. He is yelling at the umpire. He's very demonstrative, Mm -hmm. illustrating what the zone is. (laughs) And you could tell that he had just had enough. He gets tossed. But I just love seeing that passion and that side of Ali Marmol. His first time getting tossed this season. Um, He was absolutely right to be that upset. I thought that if you're going to get tossed for the first time, this is one to do it. This is when you make it count. But I just love seeing him stick up for his guys like that. And I love seeing that side of him. It was a beautiful display. Start to finish. He came out. He acted it out the exact way that you're supposed to. You know, listen, 
the umpire was was blind in the game. I don't know. I don't know what he was looking at, but I gave him something to look at and put on a show. And the fans loved it. And the fact that he has his guys' backs, I thought it was uh, fantastic. And, and you know, it kind of made us all go like, "Okay, Ali, welcome to the bigs, mm-hmm. right?" Your first ejection. This is your time to really shine. And he went out there and he gave it his all. I mean, I loved like acting it out. Like he's like really throwing down his hands, showing everyone like how far away that pitch was from the plate, from the zone. Um, beautiful. Ten out of ten. Give Here, him an Oscar. Absolutely. Here's what it sounded like. And Ollie's going to get tossed. If he hasn't already. Good for him. The thing that really makes it bad for the hitter, too, is it's the breaking ball, and it never even comes near the plate. I could see it was a fastball running, but the breaking ball starts a foot off the plate, ends up six inches off the plate, and he rings them up, and that's just where the frustration mounts. You can hear the crowd getting into it as Ali is is very um, <laughs> emphatic in describing what the zone was. But he says that pitch to Tommy Edmond was just the tipping point for him. Was there frustration before the call on Edmond? Had it been kind of building and then the one call from Woodford kind of the tipping point? Um, no, the pitch on Eddie was the tipping point. Um, yeah, bases loaded there. That changes the game a big part of that game uh, we weren't happy with it uh, I expressed my thoughts on the field and uh, we'll move on he's just such an even keel guy that to see him get that mad you know it's bad if Olimar Mull is exploding like that you know it's bad he's even killed on TV he's a little bit more fiery behind the scenes which I really appreciate especially because the guys know when he's fired up and when, when he's uh, not happy which um, you know that's part of wanting to play for your manager and wanting to be competitive and, and you know, be in this league as long as, as you possibly can, you got to have that fire in you. And the fact that the rest of the fan base and, you know, opposing teams got to see it, it was pretty special. All right, Alexa, what is your number three on your list of your top three things you loved about the weekend? Okay, so I'm in the camp of I like... I like... Uh, g- teams coming through in a big way to help the Cardinals in the standings. Mm. Right? Okay, so the Brewers were nearly swept out of their own building by the Padres this weekend. They lost three of four. They were shut out twice. And now, looky looky, take a look at the standings and there's a half game between the Cards and the Brewers. This is the week that the Cardinals take over the division from the Brewers. And let me take it even a step further. Don't look back because the schedule is now reversed. Mm -hmm. The Cardinals going forward have one of the easier schedules in baseball, have already played the majority of their chunk of hard teams, whereas the Brewers had the easiest schedule to start the season and now go into a stretch of really competitive teams. They've got the Phillies and the Mets. They've got a a tough couple of weeks coming up here, but I just loved looking up at the standings and just watching the Brewers fall and fall and fall because I like winning. Winning's cool. But I really hate losing. So for me, watching the Brewers have to go through those losses and Cardinals fans are just like, I mean, they're supposed to beat the Cubs. Taking three to five 
from Chicago, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. But coupling that with the the Brewers, just a a, a not great, uh, you know, an epic kind of collapse for them for the series. And listen, the Padres are a good team, and not saying that that they should have beat the Padres, but um, it was it was fun to watch. And as you mentioned, the schedule. Open a three-game set at Tampa Bay That's to- right. tomorrow. Then three versus the Reds yep. and four versus the Pirates. Yep. This is the time where the Cardinals need to feast. A hundred percent. This is the month where they're going to make leaps and bounds in standings and they have to hold that lead. And one of the main reasons why is because... They, they are going to have to get, one, some pitching help at some point, whether that's through the trade or Jack Flaherty is going to come back and have to be the elite level pitcher that he was. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, or you, you get guys who are out of that pen who can convert as starters, which they're trying to figure out if, if that's going to be possible. But um, that's going to be all figured out in the next month. And then you kind of hit the ground running going into the, the postseason. Number two. Number two for me, we saw on Saturday, Corey Dickerson injured in the 6-1 loss to the Chicago Cubs for the Cardinals. But Albert Pujols comes in in place of Corey Dickerson, and it's his 3,000th Major League game. He became only the 10th player in Major League Baseball history to appear in 3,000 Major League games. And here are some of the names uh, that he joined, Alexa. Uh, he's number 10, 3,000 and counting. Cal Ripken Jr., Willie Mays, Stan the Man Usual, Eddie Murray, Ty Cobb, Ricky Henderson, Hank Aaron, Carl Yastrzemski, and of course, Pete Rose. And there's there's moments throughout the season where I just have to take a step back and really soak in the fact that Albert Pujols is back with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And we're watching him reach these incredible historical milestones yep. wearing the birds on the bat. We had talked about this for years. What would it be like if Albert Pujols came back and he finished his career with the Cardinals and we got to see him chase 700 and we got to see him hit all of these major marks in baseball history back in St. Louis. We had fantasized about this for years. Sure. And it's here and it's playing out and yep. it's really special. And anytime that he etches his name further into baseball history, I want to take a moment and pause and appreciate it. So some behind the scenes from how that all played out. Brendan Donovan was playing first base. So Corey Dickerson calls out the training staff and he says, something's going on with, with my calf. I don't know what it is, but it tightened up. They thought maybe it was cramping at first, but it just, it, it caught him. So he gets pulled out of the game. Donovan goes out to right field and they're like, who are we going to have play first? They're literally looking around the dugout. They're like, okay, so Goldschmidt could go back out there or, you know, we could, or go out there. We could have uh, Albert. Where is Albert? Let's try and find Albert. Okay. So they're going through the battles of, of really trying to find Albert. He is taking swings in the cages. He gets 10 swings in. Rapid fire, they said. And then he runs out onto the field. He doesn't have his spikes on. <laughs> he doesn't have his batting gloves with them. He, he basically, I think he grabbed somebody else's glove. I don't even think he had his glove on when he took the field playing first base. And I'm looking, I'm sitting in the, in the camera roll and I'm looking and I'm like, this dude's wearing like jogging tennis shoes there at first base. It was just, it was priceless. Then eventually, obviously, after the half inning, uh, they got him all the gear that he needed. But I'm just looking around at the training staff and they're just shaking their heads laughing, thinking like oh, anyone, you know, it's only Albert that could go out there and pull that off. Um, but it, it was pretty priceless. It was really, it was cool. To I see. love those details. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. What's your number two? Okay. My number two is... This Cardinals team has had some bullpen issues. They've needed some help getting some length out of their starters. And Zach Thompson came in this weekend 
and delivered for this team. He's a guy who grew up rooting for the Cubs, which I know Cardinals fans don't want to hear. That'll go away quickly. He's not a Cubs fan anymore. Right. But when he was a kid, of course, it's where he grew up living close to, to Chicago and going to the stadium all the time. He mentally pitched at Wrigley more than anywhere else in the world, he told me. Comes out of the bullpen, which is a weird bullpen situation anyway, by the way. You're under the bleachers. You're like in a concrete box. You can't see what's going on. There's a tiny little window that you can see what's going on in the game, but not really because it's kind of, you know, like uh, frosty from from all the years of use. There's a small TV up in the corner of the bullpen, but it's on a delay. Oh, wow. So in order to figure out when you're warming up in the bullpen at Wrigley, what's going on in the game, you have to shout to somebody who's watching at the little window. Like, what's the count? What's the pitch? And they relay it back to you. It's like super old school. When you talk about like, you know, playing real old school baseball at Wrigley, they're still doing it. Yeah, don't These let the, relievers. Don't let the Jumbotron fool you. There, yeah. There's still some old school elements to that place. That's right. So Zach was saying how, and a, a bunch of guys back there were saying how it was kind of weird, especially who would never, I mean, like Packy Naughton was like a, it, it's kind of cool because you're in your own element. You can block out everything else. But also he's like, it gives you a lot of confidence because it echoes in there really loud. Mm. So it makes you feel like you're throwing a lot harder than you actually That's are. Cool. So uh, little things like that. But okay, so... Zach Thompson comes out in his MLB debut and throws a four-inning save. You're at Wrigley. You're a baby, essentially. It's your dream. It's your dream. Your childhood dream comes true, and you do it in the best way possible. For me, and when I asked him after the game, what was that experience like for you? Were you nervous? How high was your heart rate? He was like, I was cool as a cucumber. (laughs) I thought he was kidding. When he said that, I was like, no, come on, man, really? And he's like, yeah, no. What? Like, what's the problem? What's the problem, Alexa? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I think I'd be sweating bullets. Of course. But the composure of these young guys is I'd be really impressive. Up behind the mound. There's no way I would be able to keep my lunch down. It is so cool watching these guys go out there and perform. So, anyway, Zach Thompson, uh, one of my favorite things from this weekend. Number one. And number one for me, guys, another great sporting event in St. Louis where the community steps up, they show up, and they have a great time. They show the sports world that this is what St. Louis does, okay? Whether it's the PGA Championship, whether it is the gymnastics Olympic trials, obviously Cardinals and Blues, the Battle Hawks, whatever it is, (laughs) St. Louis is going to show up, and we saw it again with the Enjoy Illinois 300. 57,000 seats sold out. 1,200 plus campsites sold out, and it was just an amazing scene out at Worldwide Technology Raceway. I loved seeing St. Louis step up and put on a great event for the racing world, and this further cements them and opens them up for other great events to come in. A huge infusion in our region uh, from a financial standpoint, and it seemed like an all-around amazing day in St. Louis. So really hyped to see that the Enjoy Illinois 300 and uh, uh, such a big NASCAR event was such a success here in St. Louis. Sounds like you and I are going to the next NASCAR event. Oh, we'll be there. No doubt. And we're going to party down. I am sad I missed this one. I was thinking about it yesterday. I had a bunch of stuff to do. I was like, I should have just... Why, why do I do this? I, I was having FOMO all day long that I wasn't there. And next time, Alexa, we will not make this mistake. We're going to be there. Have you ever been to a NASCAR event? Never. Me neither. And I really want to go to one. Me too. Which is kind of surprising because I grew up close to Virginia and that whole area. It's, it's big. A lot of NASCAR fans I went to college with. But yeah, I've never actually gone to a race. 
We're going to change that. We are. It's on the agenda. We're going to get it done. Okay, and a drum roll, please. Alexa Dad's number one favorite thing from the weekend is... Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty taking one step closer to coming back because he is the linchpin that is going to solidify this team, not only down the stretch, but in the postseason. So three perfect innings, three strikeouts, 30 pitches, 21 of them strikes, um, retired all nine batters that he faced. His fastball is at 96 miles per hour. He feels better now than he did when he played his best with the Cardinals. I, if I'm a Cardinals fan, that gets me really excited. And yes, he did it against you know minor league level hitting, sure. But the fact that he feels good and his stuff looks good, he's got his full arsenal. Uh, I would say you could see Jack Flaherty back at the end of the month on the mound pitching for the Cardinals. Back in the starting rotation. People don't need coffee in the morning when you give them information like that. That's right. That is going to get heart, hearts pumping all over St. Louis. And the Cardinals are going to need him. Yeah. Think And think about what this team could be if Jack Flaherty returns, if we see Tyler O'Neill return to form, if we see Dylan Carlson return to form. They're going to have too, uh, too many people. I mean, they're going to have some tough decisions to make, but you just think about what we're seeing from this team right now, and there's so many components that aren't even there. Yeah, O'Neal, by the way, 5 for 13 with the homer in his three games so far in his rehab stint in Memphis, so they'll reevaluate him and see if he's ready to come back, but yeah, I I like the fact that these guys, even though they had a a slight setback in terms of, well, Jax was obviously not slight, but uh, with O'Neal, to be able to go have that rehab stint, figure out what's going on with the shoulder, and then come back. Yeah. A lot of options. A lot of options. It's good for the Cardinals. Yes, it is. And to think about a healthy Jack Flaherty in the second half, whew, could be fun. That's Alexa Dat. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's Take It or Leave It. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN on this Monday morning. Matt Rocchio, Michelle Smallman. No Randy Carriker, but Alexa Dad hanging out with us all morning long. It's time for a little Tioli. Take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Matt will have yours in just a second, but I'll get things started, guys. So, Max Scherzer is rehabbing from that oblique strain right now. Mm-hmm. He is working out in, in Port St. Lucie in Florida mm-hmm. in his home. And recently, his dog, Rafi, had hurt her leg, and Max went over to calm her down, and his dog bit his pitching hand. (gasps) Now, he said it wasn't too bad of a bite, and it doesn't think it's going to cost him any more time on the injured list. We're putting the dog down, right? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of the dog. No. Um, He says it wasn't that bad of a bite, but the dog bites his pitching hand. Francisco Lindor last week, you might remember, jammed his finger in a hotel room door. Take it or leave it. The Mets have some weird juju going on right now. They need to sage themselves or something. You're having weird injuries happen. And so I think they need to take some stock and sage themselves. I'm going to leave that they have bad juju right now. (laughs) 
And I'm going to take that they've had bad juju for a long time. Do you remember when the mascot gave the fan the middle finger? Yes. And everyone was like, what is going on? Mr. Met. This is a family event. Relax, sir. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, but there's been some bad juju going on there for a bit. And... They try and battle and fight through it, but the injuries that that team incurs day in and day out, they're some of the more bizarre injuries we've ever heard of in baseball. It's like it's all concentrated in Queens there in Flushing Meadows, and really no other team experiences it the way that the Mets do. It's bizarre. It's very bizarre. But you'd think at this point they would try to do something, whether it's sage or black salt. I don't know why. Not play in a place called Flushing anymore? I don't know. It just (laughs) seems like a bad place to win championships. But you know what? We (laughs) thought that with the Blues. We thought it's the name. We're just inherently asking to be sad. And then 2019 happened. So, you know, you can overcome things like that. I mean, they called it Shea. Now it's City Fields. Really, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, we figured <laughs> out. We figured out in the eighth. All you have to we figured out in the eighties. All you have to do to you know counteract flushing is just get you know just a lot of guys with inherent you know addiction problems. Then you're then you're then you're fine. Then you're winning a championship, baby. Remember when they had that squabble and they tried to play it off like there was an animal running around? They said it was a squirrel or a <laughs> what ferret or we can't really criticize um, um, animal related things on a baseball field. We are Cardinals. We are here in St. Louis. No, I agree. Rally Cardinals squirrel. are a beautiful bird and they Rally fly squirrel. around Rally everywhere squirrel, in my Rally neighborhood. Squirrel. I see them all the time. They're everywhere here, right? Yeah, which is it makes sense, obviously. But I just didn't realize that. I guess I think they say too that if you see a cardinal, it's Someone you love who'd passed on. Oh, that's sweet. Con- I, th- I believe that's what they say. That I've it's- seen far too many Cardinals and don't like that many people. No, but this was a situation with the Mets where they were fighting and they tried to play it off like, oh, we were chasing an animal around the dugout and trying to get it out of the dugout. But it was like an uh, utter lie and they got caught in it because they were like, well, what was the animal? Well, I mean, and one guy said ferret and the other guy said like bunny or, you know what I mean? Not, like they were. It's not like they're dealing with a very ends. perceptive or dogged media or anything. You know what? At least they were fighting one another and not the fans like they were last season. Unbelievable. There's just, you could go through the the history. You could write novels about the the bad juju going on there. So yeah, I'll take that. The the history of the the bad juju, it just continues to exist there. I don't think Sage is going to help that. (laughs) They need the baseball gods to switch some of those prayers. Yes, they do. Alessa, do you have one? Michelle, I was in Chicago this weekend. Yes, you are. Obviously, big foodie. Mm-hmm. It's big food city. And so the one thing that people were kept telling me was like, you have to follow this one rule, especially when you go to the ballpark. It's the way Chicagoans eat hot dogs. You have to put certain condiments on. Oh, yeah. They're very particular. Don't get me started on this one. About a Chicago dog? Very particular. I've, I've made Take my it or piece. leave it. Ketchup belongs on a hot dog. Alexa, I'm going to take and leave it. If I'm making a hot dog at Bush Stadium, we're going mustard on one side, ketchup on the other. That's what we're doing. Like a normal human. We're splitting it up. That's right. However, even though I think deep dish is trash. Deep dish is trash. I'm 100% with you on that. I knew I liked you. A Chicago dog is amazing. Give me the pepper. Give me the tomato. I want the salt. I love a Chicago dog. So I will take a Chicago dog with, I believe, just mustard. But normally, if I'm enjoying a hot dog, ketchup one side, mustard the other, done. Is it bad that I've never had a Chicago dog, so I don't even know what you're talking about? How did you it's, not have okay. one over the weekend? But Here, I'm going to tell you what it so is. They're doing so many things wrong. It's the wrong bun. Just, 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 just a terrible bun to have for a hot dog. Um, 
chop up your vegetables, you absolute heathens. Like, stop giving me, like, tomato wedges and, like, full pickles on my hot. Chop that up. Pickle relish is a completely acceptable condiment. I don't want a pickle spear on my hot dog. This is complicating things that don't need to be complicated. And, yes, mustard's fine on a hot dog. I understand it, East Coast. Ketchup tops it off with just a little bit of ketchup, a little bit of mustard switch, you know, kind of combo. That's the perfect thing. Ketchup, right. mustard, relish. These are normal things that you put on a hot Even dog. Onions. Here's what you're working with, Alexa. Don't, don't hate on me. They were talking about, I went on a tour and they were talking about how if you put ketchup on your hot dog, it will get slapped out of your hand and then stomped into the ground. These are people that also put a, are, a brick in an oven and call it pizza. Ridiculous. Here's what you're working with. It's a with. bowl of pasta sauce. It's in a bread. lasagna, Again, essentially. They, they it's cook pizza in a cast iron pan. Here's what you're working with, okay? We've got a Cast iron I don't hate, actually, to be honest. A beef frankfurter on a poppy seed bun. It's topped with yellow mustard, chopped white onion, green sweet pickle relish, a dill pickle spear, a tomato slice, and pickled sports peppers, and then there's a dash of celery salt on top. And I know that you're thinking... So are you trying to convince yourself you're eating a salad? Essentially. And just hiding a hot dog in a salad? They, that is Chicago. They say that the Chicago hot dog is, quote, dragged through the garden because of all of the, mm-hmm. the toppings. This is per a great source, also known as Wikipedia. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, I was suspect, too. I didn't want to like it. I think you, next time you're in Chicago, you should try it. Very good. They were. I was walking around with these trays of these... It just looked like a disaster on a plate. <laughs> I go to a ball game. I just want a hot dog on a bun. Ketchup, mustard, relish. You could do whatever combination you really want, but like, don't tell me I can't have one of the, the three or two of the three. I'm going to make my hot dog whatever way I want to make my hot dog. It, but it's going to be a hot dog. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like a an entree on top of the hot dog because then it no longer becomes a hot dog. You're you're trying to make it something it's not. So basically what we've learned out of Chicago is they like to take something that's classically great and throw a bunch of stuff into it and make it their own. Keep it simple. I'm with you. It's a ballpark, Frank. I'm with you. All right, let's get to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for your tickets or take it or leave it. Matt, what do you have for us? From the 217, take it or leave it. Brendan Donovan will be a starter even after O'Neal and Carlson come back. You know what? Right now I'm taking it. We were just talking about this during the break. They're going to play the hot hand. If he continues to perform at this level, you're not going to want to take him out. He'll be a starter. He won't be an everyday starter, though. I don't think. Because he has the ability to... Well, yeah, that's tough. Because he can play every position in the field. Wow. Hmm. 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 Do you see him in the lineup every day? Is that what we're asking? I don't see anybody, you know, outside of Goldschmidt and Arenado, um, and you know, maybe depending on where the shortstop position's at, in the lineup every day. With this, there's too many options. Well, Edmund, Edmund, that's true. Yeah, so there's a shortstop. Um, but beyond that, I mean, no, not, there's not been enough consistency across the, the outfield positions. You know, I want to see, I want to see Kisner in there as much as possible at catcher. You know, you can change things around. Um, you know, with with Sosa and Edmund switching them around the middle infield. No, there's no consistent everyday lineup with the Cardinals, and it shouldn't be that. Way. This is a team that needs to utilize its depth, depth and utility this entire season. Yeah, so that's the only, my only issue is because he plays so many positions. I, you know, he could start every day because he could start anywhere you want mm-hmm. to to put him. But is he going to get the start every day? No, it's going to be the guy who's who's got the hot bat mm-hmm. because they have so many different options about where to put guys in the field. And also, we just saw you know Gorman's not going to take many at bats against lefties. So like you're going to be changing things around righty lefty too. That just makes sense. Yeah. 
Correct. Take, take it or leave it. Wayno isn't done after this year. I'm taking it. I love this storyline. I'm taking it maybe because I really want to just manifest it because I don't want this ride to end. We obviously have a certain amount of affection for Adam Wainwright on this show because he joins us every Wednesday. Wednesdays with Wayno brought to you by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and shout out to Big League Impact for an amazing trivia night on Friday night. It was great to see so many people come out and support Big League Impact. But Alexa, Adam Wainwright, this I struggle with this because we've talked to him about this at length. And mm-hmm. I know it was a tough decision for him about whether to return this year because he is such a family man. He adores his family. And being a baseball player, you have a commitment to spend a lot of time away from your family. And even though he loves and appreciates his job and we know how lucky he feels to still be doing this, mm-hmm. we know that as his kids are getting older, he knows he's missing a lot of moments with them. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's something that he's certainly going to weigh in making this decision. But I also know Adam Wainwright, the competitor. Yeah. Adam Wainwright, the guy who still has it. Adam Wainwright, the guy who knows that the longer he does this, the more he's beefing up that Hall of Fame resume. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard for him if at the end of the season, we're seeing him do what we saw last night for him to walk away knowing he could potentially come back for one more year and get that much closer to Cooperstown. I agree. But man, I want—I I definitely don't want to force Adam Wainwright into early retirement. He could stay on that mound as long as he wants to. And, you know, far be it for me to, to be the one to say it. But I want him in the broadcast booth because he's got <laughs> so many good stories. Oh, he's the best. He's one of the best storytellers of all time. It's, it's incredible. Sitting with him in the dugout, listening to him talk about how... You know, there are Mets fans from back in the day that hate him, that shouted at him, that still chirp at him. Wayno, you ruined my life in the eighth (laughs) grade. Like, he just tells incredible stories. And we're getting snippets of it. You guys have him here weekly. We get to talk to him in the clubhouse. But to be able to hear that for three, four hours a night, every single night, if he was a, you know, regional broadcaster, let's Mm -hmm. say. That would be the greatest thing in the world. So as a baseball fan, that's what I would be really looking forward to. But as a Cardinals fan, you get it. You don't want him to leave the mound when, when he's putting up you know, the numbers that he is. It's a tough decision for him. I can't wait to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm fingers crossed for one more year from Wayno. Speaking of the 2023 Cardinals pitching staff, take it or leave it from the 618. Flaherty is not with the Cardinals next season. I'm going to leave that. I'm leaving that. I'm going to leave it. This is the this is the most positive Jack Flaherty has a future with the Cardinals room I've come across in the last year and a half. Here's the thing: everybody wants to ship him out out west. I'm not so sure about that just yet. And you know what's funny is everyone always says, "Oh, he's a Southern California guy. He grew up loving the Dodgers." Okay, yeah, I get all that. But are we totally ignoring the reverence that he has for the Cardinals and the way that he talks about St. Louis and has poured into St. Louis and the relationships he's had with? the late great Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter. I mean, let's let's just not make it an absolute that he's going to go back home to also, Cali. why would you want to get rid of Jack Flaherty? When he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. He's your ace. Where are you going to send your ace? I mean, if he ends up leaving, deciding on his own, sure, like that's a, a different situation. I get it. But starting pitching is very hard to come by, as we're seeing. Or, or, Cardinals are pulling up arms from the minors to make spot starts and, you know, to work out of the pen because injuries are abound. And that's obviously throughout baseball, but you need Jack Flaherty. And I, I, why as a Cardinals fan would you want to get rid of him if he can perform at the level, at least see what he can do this season and decide what, what happens with next year? 
Can think we at least see Jack Flaherty? Come on. <laughs> I think to your point, what happens if Zach Thompson doesn't have a good game and they don't get those four innings from a guy they just brought up? It's precarious. They have so many arms in that pen to come out there and, and perform. They've got a slew of guys that can come in and give you a big... I mean, Helsley, crap, that guy's throwing 100 miles per hour. It's insane. He, his heat is, is untouchable. Um, you know, you, you go up and down that bullpen and you can see guys who come and perform. Now, are they getting it done every single night? No, of course not. That's not baseball. You're not going to win 162. But uh, it, it's fun to see when they are on. Yes, it is. Matt, can we get one more? Yeah, take it or leave it. Talking about pitchers, I like this. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should look at Cabrera as a potential fifth starter after those extended innings. No way. <laughs> Leaving that all day long. Are you kidding me? Well, We're Jordan just Hicks, talking about reliable one? arms out of the pen. Yeah. That's what he is. Stay I there. I wouldn't move him from that position just because he can show you some length. And I think after the Jordan Hicks experiment, I would be a little bit more reluctant to do that. Sure. Um, even though we did see some positive things from Jordan Hicks, but let's just let's just let him thrive in the position that we're seeing him in right now. His arsenal is perfect for the exact role that he's in right now. And every once in a while, hey, listen, he goes up to Ali and says, I can give you some length. And Ali goes, okay, let's make it happen. That's fine. He's not going to be stretched out as, as a starter. Yeah, use that as a uh, in maybe a bullpen start. Uh, you know, the third guy in a bullpen start like we've seen before. I like that. I like that role better. Of for course, him. I do too. Thank you for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. That was Take It or Leave It. Matt Rocky, Alexa Dat, Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, the Cardinals in Chicago. Weekend Series 5 game set versus the Cubs. We're going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. No, Randy Carricker. He's out playing golf at the Mizzou Golf Tournament, sporting the Tigers. You got to love that for Randy. We have Alexa Dat of Valley Sports Midwest hanging out with us all morning long. It's 8.06 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Alexa, we have the fight coming up at 8.30. Ooh. I don't know if it's going to be me or you. I'll take I'll take one for the team um, and do it if you want. But if it, the opportunity is there if you want to do it. But if you want to challenge either Alexa or I in the fight, 65780, this is your opportunity. I tell everyone, this is when you text in. This is when you try your hand at the fight because it's probably a guaranteed win if you're going up against me, which means you're already one in and you only have to beat Randy twice to be a Hall of Famer. So... Beating Randy twice, though, is really difficult. It's really hard. I mean, we, beating you is hard, too. Not really. You're, yes, you're very knowledgeable. <laughs> don't don't knock yourself. Give you tons of credit as well. But Randy is the encyclopedia. We had uh, an Adam Wainwright charity event on Friday. Big yeah. League Impact Trivia Night out at Patios down by the ballpark, which is such a great night. Thanks to everyone who showed out. But since it was a trivia night, we did a live version of the fight. Oh, wow. And Alexa, people always say to me... Does Randy really do all that? Do you guys feed him the answers? Is he Googling yeah. during the breaks? I'm like, you guys, I promise you, he's sequestered. He's in the cone of silence. Seeing him pull these answers out of his brain is amazing. We should film it every day. But the crowd was amazed watching Randy do this live. 
It's People incredible. ask me all the time, too. They're like, when you go to fill in, how does it work? Really? How, does Randy actually really know? Like, that's the, the main thing that they want to know. Besides, like, is Michelle really nice? Is she <laughs> no, really smart? Not. Yes, both accurate. And does Randy really know all of his answers? I'm like, yeah, he does. There's no secret, you know, funnel that we're, we're feeding him information. No. He doesn't have a little earpiece in. He's pulling it all out of his brain. He's just mega mind, everyone. He awesome. is mega mind. But if you want to win, 65780, text the word fight. The Cardinals did win. They won last night 5-3 to three in extras over the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball. Alexa, they take 3-5 of five from the Cubs during this weekend series. A lot of great things to pull from these five games. But let's start last night. Adam Wainwright comes out. He's dealing. He had trouble in the beginning uh, getting a feel for his stuff but as always Adam Wainwright making adjustments settling in and dealing he was carving up the edges all night using the defense behind him he gave the Cardinals seven innings and then shout out to Henesis Cabrera who came in and a long relief effort for the Cardinals but one of the things heading into this weekend that we were wondering about is how are the Cardinals going to find guys to fill all these innings Mm -hmm. and they did a, a marvelous job of that over the weekend they did and I think also one of the things coming into the last couple weeks we had talked about was oh my goodness how are you going to disrupt this gold glove defense by moving Tommy Edmond over to shortstop you're going to throw the whole thing off the tracks what are you talking about Tommy Edmond is great (laughs) wherever you put him he can play second base or shortstop and you get that stellar defense no matter what you got to get Gorman's glove in there and you got to I'm sorry his bat and so his glove at second um it, obviously not as strong as Edmund, but he's working on it. But he looks around the infield and he sees everyone else that he's playing with, multiple Gold Glove award winners. That's going to put a little pressure on you, and in a good way. That's going to up his level of competition. So the the defense behind Wayno was stellar. These guys, um, they knew what they had to do. They needed to get Wayno through as many innings as they possibly could, and everyone chipped in to help. They did, and we saw... The young guys step up in a big way over the weekend, especially last night and extras. Juan Yepes singled home Nolan Gorman in the 11th inning to lean off. Brendan Donovan doubled in an insurance run. That helped propel the Cardinals to a 5-3 victory on Sunday night. But whether it's Juan Yepes or, or Brendan Donovan, who's just a he's just a player, man. He's just a baseball player. Or Zach Thompson and his debut like we saw on Friday. A lot of these young guys really stepping up and infusing the Cardinals with not only production, but a lot of energy. The cool thing about not only them being young, but how they're performing is they're scoring in so many different ways. So they're the middle of the pack in all of baseball in terms of total home runs hit. They don't rely on the home run ball. They don't need to because they take extra bases. These runners advance more than one base on a single. These runners advance more than two bases on a double. They have the best mark in MLB in running those bases. I was watching the Cubs the other day, young guys, quick guys, who hit a single out to right and then just, you know, trot to first and and are chilling there on the bag. But not the Cardinals. Those guys are taking off. They are pushing the envelope. They are pushing the threshold. So it's not only stealing bases. It's making sure to take that extra base. It's making sure to put those runners in scoring position because the majority of the home runs that they hit are with runners on. And that's what makes those home runs so much more impactful Mm -hmm. when they are hit. That in general, it sums up their offense in the best way because you're getting so many different facets involved. The speed, 
you're getting the the capability of guys to go yard, but they don't have to. They're not relying on it. Um, and, and all of that together is what's going to have the Cardinals and this offense be sustainable throughout the season. Which is what we need because yeah. at times last season, it was feast or famine. Yep. And gosh, we're in the month of June. I don't even want to think about the month of June last year for the Cardinals. It was yeah. absolutely brutal. It got to the point, Alexa, where we're like, we don't even want to talk about it because it's just bumming everybody out. I mean, well, they were so bad in the month of June last year. But if... And we've seen that a little bit early on this season. The, the offense has seemingly calibrated, but early on there was a little bit of feast and famine going on again. So I think Cardinals fans were a little worried about that. But everything you just outlined, hopefully the Cardinals are able to get more of a consistent output offensively throughout the remainder of the season. So far, so good. Um, I, I just want to give a quick shout out for the Cubs side of things because it cannot be easy to be a Cubs fan right now. Another rebuild that you're going through. It's got to be brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have one taste of success and then you're right back to the misery that you've experienced before. Yeah. But Christopher Morrell, what a player he is. He's someone to watch. He brings so much energy. I love the necklaces. I love the swag that he brings. And I think for Cardinals fans, he's a player that they're going to be paying attention to for quite some time. I think he's a guy that's going to be a foundation of this rebuild as they move forward. He's electric. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's why people are coming out to the ballpark and and guys like Patrick Wisdom you know Cardinals mm-hmm. fans remember him he's fun he's got power Marcus Stroman is also on the mound and and he's always putting on a show I mean he doesn't go deep into ball games that's not his thing but um he he does uh put on a performance when he when he is out there and you know listen if you're a Cardinals or a Cubs fan it, it is a rebuild right now and they're gonna have to you know kind of power through that but some of these younger kids I mean Swarmer the other day on the mound that slider was invisible to Cardinals bats they couldn't see it he has this weird arm angle this delivery that it, it was just hiding the pitch so well they couldn't they couldn't pick up on it and so you know when you have that in the mix there, there are little things here and there to, to look forward to overall though kind of depressing to be honest, to be a Cubs fan right now. You got rid of your big three, and now you're just kind of sitting on some young rookies who you hope can catch fire. That's tough. It re- I mean, to think about 2016 and where they are now, and you thought that that was the beginning of a dynasty. You thought that that was the beginning of what is going to be the rest of your life. And here you are yet again in a rebuild. It's got to be brutal. And now you're watching your megastars, all three go play for different organizations, and their fan base is now getting to root for them. Uh, that's just a, it's twisting the knife just a little bit more. Oh, and your arch rival, the Cardinals, are still having success. Brutal. Sucks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's Alexa. De- well, what did they say? Try not to suck was their thing. Sucks to suck. I mean, I'm sorry. It does. That's Alexa. Dad. I'm Michelle Smallman. <laughs> Coming up, we are going to talk a little blues hockey with the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber, keep it uh, on 101 ESPN. Curves is next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We are talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Karen Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, no Randy character today. He's out playing golf. Alex Dat of Bally Sportsman West joining us until 10 a.m. We talked a lot of Cardinals baseball today, but 
a very interesting and important offseason for the St. Louis Blues. Let's talk a little Blues hockey and head to the Brown and Group and Celebrity Line. We're joined by the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Michelle. Alexa, how are you two? We're great. Hi, Curbs. We are great. So happy to talk a little Blues hockey with you. And as I said, coming in, Curbs, the Blues have a very interesting offseason, a lot of tough offseason questions that face Doug Armstrong and the front office. But as you look at this offseason, what's the most important question or interesting storyline for you? Well, I, I think that, and especially as we continue to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs, the way they're playing out, and you look at who's still playing in the style of play, yeah, I, I think you look and you realize, boy, th- th- this Blues team is still right there in the mix of it all. So it, it leads you to think that you really don't need major tweaks. You probably need a little bit more luck, a little more consistency. And there will be some changes that come, but uh, I, I, I think the Blues are still kind of right in the mix of this of this championship window here. So for me, the first domino to fall is really what, what happens on the David Perron front. That's that's the first question because I think that easily answers a top six question for you right off the bat, and then it's where where were the other deficiencies? Of, for example, at, at forward and defense, you know your goaltending is pretty much set at least in terms of your starting goaltender with Jordan Bennington. You have to wait and figure out what's going on with Billy Huso, but once you figure out the David Perron situation, then you'll see where guys slot and the Blues will have to make a decision. You know, uh, you've got a Jake Neighbors who will be old enough to play in the American League if you want that route next year. You've got uh, a Bull Duke who will not be, so he would have to make the team like Jake Neighbors would have had to this year. There are those types of questions, but to me it's Perron and then shoring up, I think, uh, the consistency from a defensive standpoint and, and, and a tweak or so here. I, I, just, I just don't know that massive changes are really needed. Curbs, what's the likelihood we see a Jordan Bennington water bottle promo night next season when the Blues take on the Avs? Well, uh, uh, I'd do it. I mean, I'd absolutely do it. But if, I, if I harken back to my minor league days where we were doing promos like giving away 7,500 kazoos to get the most people ever to do the national anthem on a kazoo, oh, fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely right up the alley of a no-brainer for me. That'd be funny. But listen, here's, here's the best part. So he, he did that press conference, and, and I snorted in the back when he dropped the line. I couldn't find a recycling bin. I know. <laughs> so, I good. so I walked out, but I did. I walked out with him, and I said, I said, okay, that, that's a good line. He goes, no, dude, I'm serious. He goes, I'm walking, I come back from getting evaluated. I get back to the building, and he's walking around. He goes, I couldn't. There, there was no trash can for me to dump this empty water bottle in. Then I turned the corner, and there he is doing a presser. So I let it go. Wow, he doubled I mean, was, down. So, so he, there is some, there is some truth to that, I guess. Well, what did he say, Curbs? It was a God-given opportunity. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, now that should be a T-shirt too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, his counterpart in Billy Huso, the Blues have uh, an interesting decision to make with Billy Huso. What do you think is his viability out on the free agent market? What do you think the appetite is around the league for someone like Billy Huso? You, it's it's an intriguing one because the second half of this season, obviously, and the fact that he that he was the starter for the Blues to the playoffs tells you he's poised to take the next level and the next step maybe as a starter in the NHL. But then, you know, then the Blues end up replacing him in the playoffs, and Benner goes on a little bit of the run there. I think if you're at this point in time, with the Blues apparently, at least, I mean, as, as, as the roster is structured, committed to another five years for Jordan Bennington, I, I think you, you almost have to test the market uh, if, if you're Billy Huso. I mean, if you're his agent, you gotta, you got to see what's out there. 
I think, at this point, because teams are clearly looking at goaltenders. And you go back, say, oh, go back over the last maybe five to eight years, and that began where you've got uh, Bobrovsky leaving Columbus to go to, to Florida on a $10 million contract. Carey Price inks a, you know, a massive $10 million a year contract. And a lot of money was being thrown to goaltenders. And I think right now the the vibe around the league is locking up goaltenders for a lot of money and a lot of years becomes a really risky proposition. And so I don't know that goaltenders right now on the market are going to see some of the great windfall that maybe some of those previous goaltenders have seen because really but both Carey Price and Sergei Bobrovsky have underperformed their contracts uh, in in their respective markets and it's and it's it can hamstring those teams so I think he's due for a raise I think he's due for a bigger raise if he leaves the St. Louis Blues if there's not much of a market there maybe there's something the Blues can do and look at but they still have you know guys like Hofer coming up so the Blues are in some pretty good shape I think when it comes to goaltending I'll be I'll really be surprised if uh, if Billy doesn't test the free agent market in some way, shape, or form. I think it's just a smart move for him career wise. Curbs, what's the likelihood we see Matthew Kachuk in a St. Louis Blues jersey in the next three years? Well, oh, in the next three years, three years uh, makes uh, it makes it uh, tricky. Yeah, there, I thought you were going to um, say next year. <laughs> yeah, well, you, yeah, you probably shorten that the next two and have a really good uh, get some decent odds. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'd say, I'd say the Blues become a, a real option for him, and if if and when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, you know he's still he he's got a real. For those that don't know his his contract situation, from from my understanding, with him being a restricted free agent this year, Calgary has to figure out what they're going to do with him because they just have to qualify him and to, to keep his rights. Well, if he signs that qualifying deal, which is going to be in the range of nine to nine and a half million. Um, he signs that one-year deal and then becomes a, uh, an unrestricted free agent at the end of it. Uh, I think his agent was, was absolutely brilliant in how they handled the contract situation. So Calgary already dealing with a situation of potentially losing Johnny Gaudreau this summer, unless they re-sign him, could be in a situation where they lose the two. So if you're Brad Trey living, it's, hey, do you, if you don't think you're going to extend him, do you trade him with where the team has one year of control that, that he goes to and then he could sign an eight-year deal? There's a whole lot of questions to it. Um, but you also, if you're a team that thinks that you could be in on him if he becomes an unrestricted free agent a year from now, then you start to weigh the options. Do I give up a haul to get him sooner in trades, or do you just wait and then play it out and, and see if you could you know, get a piece in, in free agency? And that's, that's the fascinating part there. So I would definitely think that if he becomes a UFA at the end of this year, then, then discussions definitely happen and, and you keep your fingers crossed. Everybody in St. Louis has their fingers crossed on that one, Curbs. Uh, before we let you go... But you know what, Michelle? Real yeah, quick on that. Like, of course. But here's the thing. There's going to be like, okay, every single team in the league is going to kick a tire if that's the case, right? Mm-hmm, when it comes sure. to them. So, so again, look at... If you still look around the league, while it's intriguing, while it's exciting, while you look at the Blues, boy, could use them, but could you imagine if he and Robert Thomas were back together, they played junior <laughs> hockey together, that mm-hmm. kind of thing? There's, there, there's all these reasons to be excited about it, Right. But the Blues are in by no means any situation where getting him or not getting him is a make or break in terms of their competitive level. That's how good I think the Blues are right now. Absolutely. Well, well, Curbs, before we let you go, we wanted to ask you about one of the biggest headlines in hockey as we uh, get closer to the Stanley Cup Finals. But Colorado's up 3 nothing on Edmonton. But in Game 3, Evander Kane had that check on Nazem Kadri. He had a five-minute major in the game, suspended one game for the hit. What did you make of the hit, and do you think the punishment fits the crime? 
look, I think you have to take the emotion out of it in terms of who was hit, okay? And and it is one of the dirtiest hits in hockey. That that to me, and because a player going in and he he was turned, it's not like he turned into the into the boards at, at the time. He's going in, and that little push hit right above the pants and below the numbers can knock a guy off balance. In this case, Kane injures his arm. Man, you can injure your neck. You can, you know, dislocate shoulders. I think it's one of the worst hits in hockey, to be honest with you. You can go look at what Jacob Truba's done and some of the hits that Truba's laid on people, and some have questioned them. I think most of his have been clean in these playoffs, but I'd rather see that every day of the week than what we saw from him. So I have, I have no problem with Evander Kane being suspended for one game. I, I, there's two things I wouldn't mind seeing suspensions increased for. One, that hit, and two, embellishing. So when yeah. Shesterkin, even though Shesterkin got a stick in the face from, from Corey Perry in, in that game yesterday, the way he flew back, chucked his stick and all that stuff, I, I don't mind seeing suspensions for embellishments because I think the league's got to do something on that. But back, back to that push hit, it really is one of the most dangerous hits, I think, in hockey. And I, I think you separate the emotion of who got hit and, and all that other stuff. There's no place in it. So I frankly think a suspension of even more than one game is uh, is almost worthy for that type of hit. What does a Chris Kerber offseason look like? Have you done anything fun so far, Kerbs? <laughs> uh, you know what? With it, with really the offseason only being just over a week, uh, I've spent some time. So I dropped Ava off at soccer camp this morning. Awesome. Uh, I got that going. We'll spend a little time in the office. But we'll, we're, we're, we're going to head. My, my wife's uh, from Western Massachusetts. We'll go up there in July for a little while. And uh, it's... It's get some work done for the team and the radio station, and then uh, just enjoy some lack of hustle too. So we'll go down. Uh, you'll, you'll see me at the ballpark plenty of times. You know, I love going down to the baseball games. Yes, and and, and everything like that. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time at the ballpark. By the way, real quick, I did an event battle at the ballpark for uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters. I know uh, Mr. Dewitt and, and and the Cardinals have been so big with Big Brothers Big Sisters. They threw an event on Saturday night. That was just outstanding where the whole, basically all the dirt on the infield was taken up with tables and this rock, paper, scissors, boxing ring they put together. Great fundraiser for big brothers, big sisters, but just congratulations and thanks to the Cardinals and Mr. DeWitt for uh, helping put on just an amazing fundraising event for big brothers, big sisters. It, It was a cool thing to be a part of. I saw the pictures from that, Curbs. It looked like an amazing event. And thank you for everything you do for such a great organization. And thank you for joining us on this Monday during the offseason. It was great to talk to you. And if you get bored before you head to Western Mass, just come hang out with us in the studio. There's always a chair here I mean, for you. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Whenever you need me, let me know. And uh, you guys have an awesome week and a great rest of the show. Thanks, Curbs. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. That's Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Gosh, it's that time already. Coming, do we have a fighter? Yes, we do. Okay. It's time for me to get beat in the fight. That's next here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. And Smallman Randy Carricker is off for the day, a much uh, enjoyed day off. He's getting to do a little bit of golfing. Good for him. Alexa, that in for Randy and Michelle Smallman will be participating in the fight today. So she has stepped out 
for the question portion of the fight. By the way, listen, don't fret. Randy, we'll be back tomorrow. You only have to put up with me today. So thank you. And I apologize in advance, but we're going to have some fun because I love trivia. And I love when I don't have to answer the trivia. That's the best part. Yeah, right? that's the best part. My parents, my, my parents were always big trivia people. They come back with the sheet, and so I could like read all the answers and stuff like that. That was always the best part of trivia. So I have all the answers. Michelle doesn't, and neither does Kevin. At least beforehand, we'll see if he has the answers when we read him these questions. Kevin is our challenger today. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? How you feeling? Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm happy that Randy's not on, but we'll be back tomorrow. Listen. People say that, Kevin, but Michelle's a sleeper pick, and she has a lot of sports knowledge up in that brain. She is an extremely tough competitor, so don't overlook Michelle. That could probably be your biggest mistake today. There should be some nerves running through you right now, Kevin. I'm not sleeping on Michelle at all. She's got skills for sure. There you go. There you go. All right. Kevin, where are you from? What do you do? I'm from Collinsville, Illinois, and I do sales. Okay. We'll see if, if that can help you out at any point. Hey, let's just, can I give a shout-out to my son for his birthday? Of course you can. Happy birthday. What's your son's name? His name's Spencer James. He turned two. That's my brother's name, Spencer. I love that. Well, happy birthday, Spencer James. Hopefully, you can bring him home a win for his birthday today. All right, Kevin, let's start you off with question number one here on the fight. Dating back to last season. The Cardinals have now won the last three straight NL Player of the Month awards. Goldie in May, Arenado in April, and what Cardinal in September of 2021? Oh, uh, Tyler, do you already say O'Neal? You wow. go, ahead give, go ahead and give me the options. I was, <laughs> was going to give you the options, but Kevin, you went ahead and gave us the answer anyway. The options are Edmundo Sosa, Tommy Edmond, and Tyler O'Neill. So you're going with Let's O'Neal. Correct. Okay. All right. Number two, Paul Goldschmidt came up eight games short of the Cardinals' hit streak record of 33 games set by which Cardinals legend? Was that Joe Medwick, Rogers Hornsby, or Lou Brock? Uh, let's go to the first one. All right. Medwick's the answer. Okay, next question. Jason Tatum became the third player in Celtics history with 500 points, 100 rebounds, and 100 assists in a single postseason, joining Larry Bird, who did it three times, and who else? Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, or Rajon Rondo? Paul Pierce. And number four, on this day in 2017, which Cincinnati Red hit four home runs in a single game against the Cardinals? Was that Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez, or Adam Duvall? Scooter. All right, Kevin, how are you feeling right now? Uh, not 50-50. All right, pretty good. Michelle That's is entering good. the studio. I like 50-50. Michelle, he's... Kevin Kevin gave you a little bit of a run here, I think. Kevin's feeling pretty good. Kevin has a son named Spencer James. It is his second birthday today. Oh, wow. So he's trying to come through. Big victory for his son, if he can take it home. We'll see. Hi, Kevin, and happy birthday to Spencer. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm nervous. <laughs> you should see how this is happening. I walk in the studio, these guys are giving me looks like, oh, good luck. <laughs> good these luck, are Michelle. these are some tough questions. These are, but I think I think um, 
I don't know, Mshad, I think you might have this one. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I get, we I get really send, nervous doing this. We want to send Kevin off with a victory, but uh, I, I know you got the smarts for this as well, so we'll see. This will be tough. Okay, question number one. Dating back to last season, the Cardinals have now won the last three straight NL Player of the Month awards. Goldie in May, Arenado in April, and what Cardinal in September of 2021? Do I get the options? I have an idea in mind. Okay. But... I'll give you the options. Okay. Edmundo Sosa? Tommy Edmund or Tyler O'Neill? Well, I was thinking Tyler O'Neill because he was certainly hot down the stretch. So I'm going to go Tyler O'Neill on this one. Okay. All right. Paul Goldschmidt came up eight games short of the Cardinals' hit streak record of 33 games set by which Cardinals legend? Was that Joe Medwick, Rogers Hornsby, or Lou Brock? Hmm. I, I think I remember reading that it... Oof. I think it was Rogers Hornsby. I'm going to go Rogers. Okay, we're going Rogers Hornsby here. Okay. Jason Tatum became the third player in Celtics history with 500 points, 100 rebounds, and 100 assists in a single postseason, joining Larry Bird, who did it three times, and who else? Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, or Rajon Rondo? Oh, boy. Do you guys call him Rajon here? Rajon. Call him Ray John? Ray John Rondo? Ray, I, I say Ray John. Ray John Rondo? Not, not Ray John, I say Ray John. Everyone says it differently, that's why I Emphasis asked. on the second syllable. Syllable, right. Ray John. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ray John Rondo? Not, oh, well, I'm trying to think. Ra, not, Ray John sounds weird. Ray John sounds like... Yeah, the, it's the, wait, it's, I'm thinking. It's Ray John. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess you're right. <laughs> right now I'm all confused. Wait, what Ray are my Jean options Rondo? again? What are my options Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. Sometimes I... Wait, can I just get the whole question again? I'm, Derail. I totally lost my train of thought here. Okay. Jason Tatum became the third player in Celtics history with 500 points, 100 rebounds, and 100 assists in a single postseason, joining Larry Bird, who did it three times, and who else? Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo. Okay. My, my first thought was the truth, but I don't know. Did KG do it? Oh, man. Oh, this is tough. And I truly have no idea. So I'm going to guess Kevin Garnett. Okay. All right. And number four, on this day in 2017, which Cincinnati Red hit four home runs in a single game against the Cardinals? Was that Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez, or Adam Duvall? I think it was Scoots. I think it was... Wasn't that the first time in Red's history that that happened? Wasn't that a... The first time? And it was our boy Scoots? You mean Ryan Joseph? <laughs> you know, he got the name Scooter, right? He was pulled over by the cops when he was a kid. And he was sitting in the back seat. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And the police officer was like, what's your name, sir? And he just named a Muppet instead Scooter. of telling the officer his own name. Amazing. And he was like, Scooter. And they just called him Scooter from then on. Best nickname ever. Yeah. Great story. Line of the cops. <laughs> Crazy. Classic. Anyway, sorry, I'm derailing this whole no, fight. Kevin's it. like, uh, just get this girl off just, the air. <laughs> just prolong my defeat. It's fine. Okay, let's break this down because um, we actually have a tie. Yes, oh we my do. gosh. Yes, so let's we go do. over the answers, what? yeah, real quick. Or should we well, do the tiebreaker? Let's go right first? into the tiebreaker. It's going okay, to be closer, go right. to the, closer to the pin question okay. today. Oh All right, God. here we go. Okay. Closer to the pin. Okay, okay. Hold on. We start me, with Kevin or Michelle? We're going to throw both out. We're going to give Kevin. 
We're going to give Kevin a chance, or Michelle's got to show us her answer, and okay. then we're going to have Kevin say his answer so that I mean, Michelle can't play off his and go Price is Right. Okay, okay. Find a pen here. Hang on. So here's a question. Here you go. No, I grabbed okay. one. I'm good. Thank okay. you. Here's our tiebreaker question. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Kevin my and my Michelle. Throat. I love this. Oh, my, the, I can't take it. Okay. Wayne Gretzky is the career leader in NHL playoff points. Across his 208 games played, how many points did he score? Oh, my God. What? Oh, Jesus. A um, million? Um, oh, wait. I'm not supposed to reveal my answer. <laughs> I'm kidding. A million is not my guess. A million is not my guess. Wayne Gretzky is the career leader in NHL playoff points. Across his 208 games played, 208 games. how many points did he score? Okay, let's... Let's get Michelle's here. Okay. Kevin, say that again. 490. 490, says Kevin. 490 is a good guess. I wrote down 350. Michelle says 350. Because you know there's a couple multi-point games in there. I just, I guess 350. I don't know. And the answer... The winner and still champion of the fight... Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non commission based sales force and hassle free warranty. And the winner is Michelle. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes, you did it. So the actual answer was 382 points. Kevin, just a little bit off. Michelle, closer to the pin. Oh my God, Kevin, I'm so sorry. That was a wild guess. Great fight, Michelle. Good job. Thank you. You too, Kevin. And happy birthday again to your son. Yeah, he gets a birthday shout out. That's a win in my book for sure. That's a a win for sure. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Have a good day. Oh, my God. What was the correct answer? I said 350. 382. 382. So you were 32 off. He was about, he was 80, he was 88 off. So still, even with the, even with the close to the pin, a very close tiebreaker. I'm not going to lie. I didn't hear anything you said after the sounder rang because I just blacked out. I was. <laughs> I mean, you just took home a mega victory. Listen, the Cincinnati Red with four home runs with Scooter Jeanette. You got that. Was that the first time? I think I remember that. I mean, it's only the seventeenth time in uh, MLB history a guy did. So yeah, probably. so yeah, it's it's you know yeah. just statistically, there's not a lot of teams that have done that. Scoots him up it. It was a huge game. Uh, Jason Tatum was the third player in Celtics history: five hundred points, hundred rebounds, hundred assists in a single postseason, joining Paul Pierce oh. and Larry Bird. Yes. So that was the one that classic uh, Paul Pierce. Yeah, that that Never Kevin nailed down. But you did get Rogers Hornsby. Uh, yeah, I thought the I Cardinals remember legend that. looking to that set up that hit streak record of thirty three games, and then Tyler O'Neill winning Player of the Month last September. Yeah, pretty good guess. A if, great guess if you think about who was hot down the stretch. That's Tyler right. O'Neill was as hot, hot as they come. Impressive Michelle, job by Kevin. I was so by the way. impressed. That was so nicely done. I mean, Kevin. Kevin didn't Whew. even uh, wait for the options in question number one. He had Tyler O'Neill off the top of his head Did without he? even the options. He locked in. I, it, that was that was, that was a well, tough knew, one for everybody. He knew I he had that. me mediating the whole thing, so he knew <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. So he was like, well, let me just go ahead and get this over with because she's lost. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I feel badly that I beat Kevin, but I also feel great for myself because that means I don't have to deal with an angry Randy tomorrow. Listen, you're a champion, so. Michelle. <laughs> you should hold your head up high. You I kiss that trophy. Champion. Do you sign those babies? Do you know that Randy kissed the Stanley Cup before the Blues won? Did you know this? Isn't it like illegal to touch the cup? It unless is. you're a winner. And Alexa, let me just take you back. The Blues, maybe more than any other franchise in hockey, 
had, well, first of all, they had never won the cup. But when I say heartbreaking exits and heartbreaking losses, I mean, before the season, Randy and I had Googled how to reverse a curse. We were going to buy black salt off the dark web. <laughs> I mean, we were going to go down to Enterprise Center with and do some, some weird stuff. I mean, who knows? And so we are very superstitious. Uh-huh. And we thought that the blues were cursed. And the number one thing that you don't do is touch the cup before you win it. That's right. And Philip Pritchard and the Stanley Cup, during the Stanley Cup finals, they were doing the tour around different media outlets and they came to one on ESPN. I was on the morning show at the time. Randy was on the afternoon show. And I get a bunch of texts and calls being like, Randy, kiss the cup. I'm like, no, you're lying. Randy Carricker would never do that. He would never kiss the cup. And he did. Why? What explanation did he give? I have no idea. He just was like, nothing else had worked, and it was there, and he planted a big one on it. Full smooch. And I told him, you are so lucky that the Blues won, (laughs) because you would have been public enemy number one. Did he take credit for the fact that it reversed the curse, and his kiss was, instead of being the kiss of death, was the sweetest moment in the history of the Blues, because it turned it around, they were able to win? Alexa, we had shirts printed that said, we kissed it first. (laughs) So... So it all worked out. It all worked out. That's Alexa Dad. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, a big weekend for the Young Bucks on the Cardinals. The kids are all right. We're going to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Alexa Dat with you this morning here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals take three of five from the Chicago Cubs. A weekend series up at Wrigley. They have a 5-3 victory over the Cubbies last night in extra innings and 11 innings. Alexa was in Chicago covering the Cubs all weekend. And Alexa, we saw a lot of contributions from some of the young players this weekend, whether it was Zach Thompson earlier in the series. We saw Juan Yepes have some pretty important moments. Edmundo Sosa with some good defensive gems last night. But Brendan Donovan continues to impress. He was really critical in the Cardinals game yesterday, whether it was the throw that he made out in right field or his contributions with his bat and extra innings to help propel the Cardinals to victory but he's been performing really well right now and he's just another example of a young guy from Memphis coming up and making an impact with the Redbirds I love how he can't keep his batting helmet on (laughs) he's flying around the bases his speed is really impressive oh come on we know he just wants that flow to be out and about he wants to show off the hair remember how many times you saw Bryce Harper and if you saw he he was running his arms would get really high and he would just kind of like hit the bill on accident and it would come off and then Bryce Harper's you know flowing through second (laughs) second base taking the turn with no helmet they do on purpose. They know what they're doing. It's just so funny that you have a guy who looks as unique as Harrison Bader does. And everyone's like, oh, that's a look. That's cool. You know, he's got the swag. He's got the energy. And then a kid comes up who looks basically identical to him. When they're on first and second, like, uh, you know, leading off and, and you know, uh, making their moves, whatever, they look like the same person. It's pretty cool to have these kind of, this, like, tandem of guys, like these blonde bombshells coming through for the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of flow out there. That's a lot of flow. Yeah. But it wasn't all good for Brendan Donovan sure. over the weekend. He uh, he had an off-field incident, so some tweets resurfaced uh, from Brendan Donovan back in 2011 and 2013. He was 14 and 16 years old at the time, and the tweets that emerged had some anti-gay language in it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the, the tweets were very upsetting for a lot of people, just not 
something that if you are Brendan Donovan, you you want exposed. But he came out and apologized for those tweets. He said they were part of a, quote, playful banter with a friend. He says, I take full responsibility. It was something I sent out a long time ago. I'm truly sorry to anyone I may have offended. Anyone that knows me as a person knows I see everyone the same, and I do not condone that type of behavior or anything. If I've offended you, I truly apologize. Hopefully I can do my part to show you that's not who I am. The tweets were unacceptable. Yes. Full stop. For... Brendan Donovan and for the rest of baseball and really for anyone on social media and just living your daily life, this is a great learning experience to take somebody else's mistake and for Donovan to take your own mistake and really reflect on who you are as a person, how you project yourself out into the world and what you're, you know, setting as an example for other people. So there's a lot that goes into it, but For the love of God, can you think before you tweet? For anyone else out there, you got to, if you're a parent, if you are a Twitter user, if you are anyone who's just on any type of social media, just think before you send something out. You got to take that pause Mm -hmm. and say, is this something that I really, is, is appropriate for public consumption? And, you know, not that those tweets are, are particularly appropriate private thoughts either because they're not accepting of of other people. But when you put it out there like that, you subject yourself to public scrutiny. Sure. And in this day and age, it's way too easy for you to be criticized for your thoughts and feelings on a public stage when you put them out there yourself. So it was ignorant of Donovan to make these comments, to put them out on social media. Yes, he was young. That's not really an excuse, but what happens from here is really the the biggest decision that he has to make, which is learning from this experience and saying, uh, one, I want to show you that's not who I am. Okay, how are we going to do that? Are we going to be an advocate for the gay community? Are we going to, um, you know, either take courses or maybe donate or, you know, speak to advocates in the, in the, in the gay community and, and maybe um, try and bridge the gap to erase, you know, any sort of level of ignorance you might have there. So there's there's a lot going on. Um, but I think for him, it's more so put it past you, put it behind you. You did address it. You did apologize for it. So you made that right move. And um, uh, let's move forward by, by saying um, let's all just make sure that, that we're not making these same mistakes and learning from them. You're, you're so right. There's, there's so many layers to this. Yeah, there are. You know, and it's not a situation that is without nuance and complexity because... Are the comments and the tweets okay? Absolutely not. Yeah. But I know when I look back, hopefully I never said anything like that when I was a teenager, but I also know that I was an idiot when I was a teenager. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that does not excuse it. I am not excusing it in any way, but I also think we as humans do evolve and of we course. grow. And to your point, Alexa, when you know better, do better. Right. And this is a great opportunity for Brendan Donovan to back up everything that he said when he says he's really sorry to anyone he might have offended and that he isn't that person anymore. This is a great opportunity for you to actually put some tangible action behind it. Yeah. To say, I'm not only going to tell you I'm a different person, I'm going to show you how I've evolved since I was 14 years old and that those tweets, yes, I'm ashamed of them, but they're not representative of who I am. Yeah. And I think for us, it's important to acknowledge that we think the tweets are inappropriate, but also say, yeah, as a human being, we all make mistakes and our view of the world when we're 14 years old 
is not the same as it is when we're a grown adult. I mean, how old is he now? He's 25, 20, he's 26, you know, somewhere around there. Yeah, he's still young. He's still a young but person. But he was much younger back then. You're right. Think about how you grow in a decade. And, th- and think about that time in your life, too. And again, I am not excusing his behavior or his tweets, but I just think that it's important for us to allow others the opportunity to learn and grow and also acknowledge the mistakes that were made and say that that's reprehensible. We don't support that. But I think for Brendan Donovan, if he does show some actions behind this, that this is something that he can look back on as an unfortunate part of his past. But more importantly, a really a really, really good opportunity for growth and learning. And I appreciate it as a rookie for him to come out and, and really take ownership. That's important. You know, yeah, that's step sure. one to acknowledge, listen, I did do this and I am sorry. I, I you know, do show actually sincere remorse and it won't happen again. And that's not who I am is a big step for a young guy who, you know, is just making his way in the league. So I think, um, if, if that's how this plays out moving forward for him, then then he's made the right decision with the information that he's given at this point. That's Alexa Dad. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we talked about it during this hour with Chris Kerber, but a really, really important and intriguing offseason for the St. Louis Blues. We're going to give you our top five priorities for the Blues and Doug Armstrong this offseason. That's here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. Alexa Dad and Michelle Smallman here with you this morning on 101 ESPN. Happy Monday, St. Louis. Uh, an exciting weekend for the Cardinals. They take three of five up at Wrigley over the weekend. But Alexa, we still have a lot of stuff to go over when it comes to the Blues. I look, by the way, at Colorado being up three, nothing in that series versus Edmonton. And I just think six seconds, if the Blues could have hung on Forced overtime, taken game six. I I felt great about their chances in game seven. And I really think whoever won that series would go on to beat Edmonton. It was just a mismatch either way. And I think, gosh, the Blues were so close to beating Colorado and going on to potentially beat Edmonton. They had a path to the Stanley Cup final. And they were without... Tori Crew, who's a very important component of this team. They're without their hottest player in Jordan Bennington. And that's why I think heading into this offseason, the Blues are in a really good position. They're a team that was a legitimate playoff team, a cup contender. And had they had some more production from some of the guys that were hot for them all season and some of their best players, they could have been in a much better position. But with all that being said, there are some really important questions that face the St. Louis Blues and Doug Armstrong this offseason. First and foremost, some unrestricted free agents that the Blues are going to have to handle. And I've said this many times, Alexa, and I want to get your take on it. To me, if I'm Doug Armstrong, priority number one is bringing back David Perron. Mm -hmm. Number 57 is so critical to the success on this team. We know that he is a producer on the ice from a points perspective. He does a lot of little things to motivate the team on and off the ice. And frankly, he is a leader and an important thread in the tapestry that is the identity of the St. Louis Blues. You saw that and how impactful he was in the postseason. He's 34 years old and he wants to be here. He is dying to play for the St. Louis Blues and could potentially take a cap-friendly contract in order to stay here and play. You love guys like that. 
you know, you want him to be able to make his money. But the fact that he's not going to go, I need the seven million that I could potentially go get somewhere else. Maybe I could take like a three or four deal here. That I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And and that would be really nice for the Blues to be able to hold on to, to Perron. I think he's a, a huge um, priority as well. He's what you want yeah. in a franchise player. That's there, right. You know, that he checks every single box. And he showed like up no in the postseason. Hello. Yes. Thank you. That's what we need. Welcome to the po- playoffs. Point C- points leader leader in goals. I mean, he was just ridiculous. We keep saying it, but he's aging like a like a beautiful French wine, like a beautiful French Bordeaux. <laughs> but he does a lot to take care of his body and make sure that he can put himself in that position. Uh, and I'll be interested to see, as you mentioned, what that, that contract looks like because... I imagine both sides are going to come to the table and be willing to compromise in order to get this done. Well, and if you're Perron, you you don't want to take less money, but you might only because you want to be on the ice with a competitive team. So you want them to be able to have money to be able to divvy up elsewhere to keep some of these guys or, or you know trade, make moves uh, and be able to free up some of that cap space so you can basically field a competitive team. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be the only guy making a bunch of money and then no one else is... Uh, up to to your level of play and then what you're just the only guy standing on the ice well and at this point in your career as you mentioned you've made money yes you could maybe get more going elsewhere but David Perron has been around he understands what he has in St. Louis there's a reason why he keeps coming back here after he goes somewhere else and that's not to say that it wasn't valuable for him to play for other franchises because clearly it was part of his learning process. Whoa, what was that? A little rock music in our lid? I love it. Listen, we're having a mood here on a Monday. It's vibes. It's vibes. <laughs> that was, I don't know. The stations are bleeding into each other. Every time Michelle makes a point, I'm just going to hit a, just a quick little like you know snare drum hit. Yeah, just that like... was just the emphasis on why David Perron is so important. A little yeah, yeah. rock tune there. Actually, that would be for Ryan yeah, O'Reilly, yeah. the little rock jams there. Um, but David Perron understands that the grass isn't always greener and that money doesn't buy everything. And not only is he playing with Ryan O'Reilly, who he's so comfortable with and has such success with, not only is he in an organization that values him and where he is comfortable and has a certain amount of authority and leadership, but he's in a position to win. Mm -hmm. And after you've had a taste of that, isn't that what you want when you're 34 years old? You want to try and win as much as possible before you hang up the skates. And he certainly has a great opportunity here. There's something to be said about stability and he has that here with the Blues. You're right. What are your thoughts on on Billy Husso? I was just going to bring him up next. We're simpatico here. We're in lockstep, Alexa, because David Perron knows that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but after the season that Billy Husso has, he might want to test the waters and I don't blame him. I would. Because (laughs) I I probably... Not blame him. I would test the waters. Yeah, yeah. I might kind of semi-blame him just because like I'd want him to come back and I don't think he would. Yes. But um, yeah, he's gone, I think. I think so too, just because in this free agent market, uh, he's a valuable resource. Yeah. After what Billy Husso did, not only during the regular season, but coming back and performing the way that he did in the playoffs, other teams paid attention to that and they know that that Billy Huso could be that goalie for them and you're not going to win in the playoffs if you don't have someone that's solid between the pipes and he has certainly improved his value out on the market but if if I'm him I certainly am interested in what I could command elsewhere I think it might be a tough decision because again you do want to put yourself in a position to win and you don't necessarily know what the other options will be from a competitive standpoint, but I certainly would want to see what I could command out on the open market if I'm Billy Huso. I would go get top dollar. Somebody's going to pay you for it. You're going to be the guy. You don't have to split starts, which 
I don't think he hated this season, but I think that he would want to go be uh, the number one dog, right, in, in, an, in a market, in an organization. And I, I don't hate Jordan Bennington and Charlie Lindgren. I don't either. Chucky Sideburns, let's go. That's a nice duo. Yes, it is. And I know we've only seen a limited amount of starts from him, and, and it's a small sample size, but I still like it. But an impressive sample size. And he was strong, and he's got that confidence. And they talk about when he walks in that clubhouse, uh, the locker room, he changes the energy, the, the aura that he gives off, because he's a louder guy, he's a little bit more commanding. I think that energy is good for the Blues. And after... Jordan Bennington emerging again as the number one guy in the playoffs and down the stretch. I think if you're the Blues, even though it hurts to see Villahuso walk, you feel much better about your circumstances knowing that number 50 still has it. 100%. That's Alexa Dad. I'm Michelle Smallman. Karakrin Smallman here on 101 ESPN. The Golden State Warriors take game number two in the NBA Finals. But the series swings back to Boston for game number three. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals and, of course, the emergence of superstar Jason Tatum with Larry Hughes. Jason Tatum's Godfather is next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here on 101 ESPN, Michelle Smallman and Alexa Dat hanging out with you all morning. We've been talking a lot of Cardinals. We talked a little bit of Blues. The NBA Finals in full action right now. The Golden State Warriors even things up at one game apiece after they take game two over the Celtics last night. Let's talk a little NBA Finals and basketball in general and head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Larry Hughes is joining us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Larry. How you doing? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing so well. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We have so much to get into, including all the great things going on at the Larry Hughes Basketball Academy. But first and foremost, I want to just talk to you from a personal level. You are Jason Tatum's godfather. You've known him since he was born. You've watched him grow up. You've seen all of the blood, sweat, and tears that he's poured into his career. Just from a personal standpoint, what's it like for you to see him raise the Eastern Conference MVP trophy trophy, and be playing in the NBA Finals right now? Well, I'm I'm very proud of him, extremely proud of him, um, not only just for the accomplishments that he's made this year, uh, just for the road that he's taken and, the you know, all, like you said, all the obstacles and things that, that have been in front of him, you know, to, to try to, to, to make it to the top, you know, and they're chasing that goal of, of being an NBA champion, and, and I couldn't be more proud. Larry, do you think that having Jason be around you when you were playing in the NBA and getting a taste of what life in the NBA is like and the sacrifices and commitment that's needed to be an NBA player helped his development? I, I think so. I mean, anytime you get an opportunity to be in an environment uh, that, that you want to have as your profession later on, I think you naturally pick up some things. And his dad also played professionally overseas, so he got it from, you know, from you know, both sides of being in the NBA, obviously, but then obviously having an, an opportunity to see his dad play overseas as well. Larry, you've got Jason who scores, rebounds, passes the ball well, has an all-around really strong game. What to you is the most impressive part about his game that's developed over the years that you've been able to witness firsthand? I think right now is, is what's showing is, is his ability to make plays. Uh, he can score the basketball. It's great skill level. Six uh, ten can shoot over the top of, of you know most defenders. I think now you know with 
him gaining that you know superstar status, his ability to make the other people around him better. And then I, his defense is, is underrated to me. I think he's going to be, you know, scratching those, you know, those first team all defense, defensive teams uh, here pretty soon, matching up with this offensive game. And Larry, the Warriors came back and they evened the series at one apiece last night. I know you've been watching the games. Have you been at, at any of the games, by the way? Uh, yeah, I, I was at game one. I was at game one and had a front row seat to game two. Um, I may have should have stayed for game two. We would have been up uh, 2-0. That's right. What are you doing, Larry? You need to get the, the positive <laughs> vibes going. Well, before I ask the question, what was it like to be there in person? I'm sure the environment was great. The environment was great. You know, I obviously uh, spent some time out with the Warriors. We weren't as good as the, these guys are now, but that fan base is crazy. So just being in that arena and, you know, being welcomed in that space and knowing that I was cheering for Boston – uh, was was actually very special for me as well. I'm sure it was probably great. Well, um, in a, a losing effort, though, Jason Tatum with a great game. He scored 28 points last night. What uh, adjustments do you think that the Celtics need to make in order to take Game 3? Well, I, I think it's a long series. I mean, you're in the NBA Finals, so I didn't expect anybody to sweep anyone or even a gentleman sweep for that matter. So I see this thing going, you know, seven games. I think it's just a matter of making your adjustments from game to game and doing your best to protect your home court. And if a team is going to come in and win on your home court, they have to leave with some scars and knowing that they were in a a huge battle. Larry, how surprised are you that those game-by-game adjustments are being so impactful this postseason? When you look around at the different teams, I mean, every series, and and even from game to game, uh, those little tweaks – by the coaching staff, by the players, uh, are really, they're defining this postseason. Well, it's, it's always been a fine line between winning and losing. And then when you have all of the analytics and all of the video content that these guys have now and, and understanding players' tendencies and, you know, just the ability to how good these guys are to cut off different angles and, and really shut off the water of the other offensive player. Uh, is is a testament to obviously the, the skill level, but also just the amount of um, scouting that goes into into these games. Larry, who's joining us, talking a little NBA Finals, and Jason Tatum on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Steph Curry continues to be Steph Curry, Larry. He's ridiculous. In the third quarter last night, 14 points, four of nine shooting from the field, three triples, two boards, and only 12 minutes. Uh, Steve Kerr called his performance in that quarter breathtaking. When Steph Curry is on like that, how do you defend him? Uh, you, you continue to make it tough. You, you make him play in crowds. You, you lean on him. Um, you know, you try to take his legs away, you know, for later on in the fourth, but the game has to be close. Uh, but Steph is, I mean, he's an MVP. I mean, he's a world champion. Uh, he's just a, a you know, a light skinned, you know, you know, light skinned guy who's about looks, looks average, looks like everybody walking around that we get so amazed at what he does, man. But he's, um, He's special. He's special. Like we all said, he's, he's a guy that, that's come in and changed the game. So I like to say that, you know, to the Celtics, when you, you're scouting them, it's, it's good luck. Yeah. As the opposition, how annoying is it to play against a guy like Draymond Green? <laughs> oh, you, you want to have him on your team. You yeah. don't want to have that guy <laughs> on the other side. Um, you know, I, you know, I like to say, you know, in the old days, there was, there would have definitely been more confrontation with Draymond Green than there have been in, in recent NBA um, in recent NBA days. But he's a guy that you want on your team because he is a guy that's going to battle. 
uh, for the name that's on the front of his jersey, and he's going to support his teammates, and he's going to play his role, um, you know, to the ultimate, uh, to his ultimate ability. So Dre is a guy that, man, if, if he's on the other side, you are not excited to see him, you know, especially for seven games. Yeah, absolutely. Don't want to go against Draymond. Uh, Larry, one more thing about uh, Jason Tatum. We've known how special he is in St. Louis for quite some time. We watched his ascent in the NBA, but it seems like this season he's really cemented himself as one of the best in the game and a guy that is worthy to be one of the faces of the NBA. We've seen him, of course, be the Eastern Conference MVP in the Eastern Conference Finals, but when I think about some of the big names that he's beaten so far in these playoffs, and KD and Giannis, Jimmy Butler, and now he's going up against the Warriors, do you think that he's really asserted himself as one of the superstars in this game during these playoffs? Yeah, he, he's one of those guys. Uh, he, he's one of those guys. It, it started, you know, obviously in the regular season, you know, as well as leading into into the playoffs. But the amount of time that he spends on his game and working on his craft, um, you know, not only his game but also his body, uh, he, he's destined for greatness and to continue to, to move forward at, you know, 24 years old. Uh, there's a long road ahead of him. And, you know, I see that he's up for, for the challenge. Larry, you might have to get in there at half, though, because whatever snack they're eating makes them a little sleepy there in the third quarter. I know, man. It, it's, it's one of those things where you, um, you know, if you don't prepare the same way, uh, you know, every game, you run into those challenges of, of what should I do? Should I go out and shoot? Should I not go out and shoot? Should I go warm up? Should I not warm up? Should I eat something at halftime? So, you know, you have to have a routine down, especially when you're playing these high-level games. Yeah, you're right about that. All right, Larry. Well, we know there's a lot of great stuff going on with the Larry Hughes Basketball Academy. You have the shooting clinic on June 18th from noon to 2, and their small group and individual training. Tell us about what's happening and how people can get information and get involved. Well, you can always check out the website. It's lhbastl.com, and you'll see uh, our Chesterfield location and also our uh, our South uh, Gravos location as well, which we call LHBA South. And that shooting clinic clinic is to, you know, basically give the foundation, uh, give the fundamentals of shooting, but also getting up reps. And we like to say um, there's a time when you get up great reps and there's a time when you just get up reps. So this shooting clinic is for the young people to come in, uh, you know, try to you know understand their shot in a couple hours so we can help them, give them some information to take home. And then obviously with our individual and, and small group, uh, that's what the, the basketball world knows, so we provide that service as well. So coming in and working with our great you know, skill developers and enhancing your game, whether it be shooting, ball handling, uh, playing defense, or even your performance work, um, we have guys that are, are ready to, to help you know, the young people out. And again, you can find out more information at LHBASouth.com for the shooting clinic on June 18th or LHBAWest.com for those small group and individual trainings, both great options. Larry, thanks so much for the time today. And we need to get you to game three so that you can provide the juju and get the Celtics up 2-1. Oh, I'm there. No question. The only (laughs) thing is I won't be there for game four, but I will be there for game three. Oh, man. Well, hopefully you can make it to the rest of the series because we, we need you to provide that energy. What's your uh, prediction, by the way? Celtics and what? Uh, I'm going to go Celtics and seven uh, just because I understand that it's going to be a long, drawn-off fight. And, you know, my pick is definitely the Celtics. So we got we to gotta get a win on, on Golden State's home court. Celtics and seven from Larry Hughes. You heard it here first. Larry, thanks so much for the time. Uh, we appreciate it, and hopefully we talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
And one more time, great options for the shooting clinic and the individual training coming up June 18th. So if you want to get involved, LHBASouth.com. Alexa Dad and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, it's your Killing Me Smalls. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Here on 101 ESPN, Alexa Dad and Michelle Smallman this morning hanging out with you. We just heard from Randy Carricker, who's listening. He says, great job. Always like to have Randy checking in. He's out at a Mizzou golf tournament today. Hopefully it doesn't rain. It looks a little overcast, but hopefully they have good weather for that Mizzou golf tournament. Yeah, Randy, may the golf gods be with you. Fingers crossed, RK. Hit them well. Another great event coming up is Big League Impact Swinging for Impact. It's this Sunday evening at Top Golf. Let me tell you, I had the great opportunity with Randy and Brad Thompson to MC the Big League Impact Trivia Night on Friday night. Boy, did they put on a great event at Big League Impact. Oh, was that fun? It was so fun. The guys were wonderful, and they're going to be present at Swinging for Impact on Sunday as well. You can join Adam Wainwright, Tommy Edmond, and some of your favorite Cardinals players for a fun evening at Topgolf. And it's all in support of a great cause, which is Big League Impact. It's supported by Spectrum, Anna and Matt McDonald, RTP Outdoors, and Crestside Baldwin Heating and Cooling. You can get all the details on Swinging for Impact at 101ESPN.com. And Alexa, I happen to know that one of the things you can do there is try to outdrive Adam Wainwright. Now, you're likely not going to succeed because <laughs> all of my sources have told me that he can hit the daylights out of the ball, which is not surprising yeah. for a guy who's A, professional athlete, and B, built like Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. But if by the off chance, if by the slimmest of possibilities, you outdrive Adam Wainwright, that is bragging rights for life. Yeah, I would do it just to see if I could. Why not, which right? I, and I couldn't, but I yeah, to be able to say that I did. But I, but I wouldn't. So I wouldn't do it. I, like, what, I wouldn't what be successful. what if he has an off day or something? Maybe he has a, uh, you know, he's dehydrated. He gets a cramp or something. You never know. That's something that you would just wipe out your resume and you would say, I'm Alexa Dat, and I one time out drove Adam Wainwright at Topgolf. Wayno dehydrated with a hand tied behind his back, blindfolded, could still beat me, Michelle. So yeah, me too. I have no chance. <laughs> we have no chance. You could give me two million tries. <laughs> I would never outdrive Not even Wayno. close. But some people listening might be able to. And even if you fall short, it's all in support of a great cause, which is Big League Impact. Right now it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Rafael Nadal continues to impress Alexa. He overwhelmed Casper Rudd in straight sets yesterday. He won his 14th French Open championship. It's his 22nd Grand Slam title. He had the sets went like this, 6-3-6-3-6-0. And you come to find out afterwards that he had to get an injection to his left foot before the final. His entire foot was numb. And he still went out there and handled his business in straight sets. That might be one of the more impressive things that I've ever heard. Because tennis, that's all you do. You Run around your on feet. your feet. You need your feet. Can you believe that? He can't feel his foot. It's totally numb. And he still goes out there and does what he does. To put a needle in your body... To lose feeling in a nerve through an extremity and then to go out there and dominate. I guess once the pain goes away, then you can focus a little bit more on your game because you're not focusing on the pain. 
but you're still worried that you can't feel it at all. So when I played soccer, I used to have to tie my shoes very specifically because my feet would tingle and sometimes go numb. And when that happens, it feels like your your leg is really heavy at times mm-hmm. because you can't you can't feel it. It's almost like you're dragging around a ghost limb. And in tennis, so much of the feel is through your feet and the way that you move. So I just wonder how mentally he had to adjust, what sort of adjustments he had to make. I mean, he's obviously one of the best in the world, the best to ever do it. But that is just so impressive to me that something that's so important to your game could be removed and you still go out there and it's not even a challenge for you. If my foot falls asleep on the couch, I'm on the aisle for the rest of the night. I'm like, I can't get up. There's somebody better send me snacks. There's no way that I'm going to be able to make it to the kitchen. And he, but Rendell went out and dominated. That's what he does. He's here's what he said. The preparation was not ideal. I had a stretch fracture. Stretch fracture. Oh my god, can I speak today? Stress fracture of the rib. Then I have the foot pain, which stays there all the time. I had my doctor here with me. He says I don't know how to say in English what we did, but we played with no feeling on the foot. We played with an injury injection in the nerve so the foot was asleep and that's why he was able to play i feel like the ribs might be a little bit more because that you're you're constantly twisting and maneuvering your body in in tennis to hit that tennis ball i mean the uh, wouldn't you feel like the rib would be a bigger issue I don't, I think both are pretty big. You know, that's one of the most impressive things to me about hockey players is whenever you find out after the playoffs oh, how many guys have fractured ribs. Like, obviously, Braden Shen dealing with the, the fractured rib. And They're the like, I oblique. was dead for half the season. I remember talking to Ryan O'Reilly during the 2019 Stanley Cup parade, and he was telling me about his fractured ribs and how he would have to deal with that before they play. Had no problem hoisting the cup, though. But you think about <laughs> when you hurt your ribs, it hurts to breathe or yeah, to yeah. sneeze or to laugh. Oh, let yeah. alone, and I know that there's things that are helping them ease that pain. But to think that you're then slamming guys up against the boards and, you know, the way that you're leaning your body when you skate and you go drive hard to the net and what that feels like if you continue to put pressure on that injury when that pain medication does wear off. It's just so impressive. And especially to not go out and be hesitant to get hit to even play at all. To kind of put that in the back of your mind and go, well, if I get hit, it's it's going to hurt. But like, this is what I do. Right. That's, that's crazy. They're nuts. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Alexa, I always love reading stories about sports memorabilia and the amount of money that they go for because I don't have disposable income like that. <laughs> but it's always fascinating to me how much people are willing to spend on something. So Wayne Gretzky's final Edmonton Oilers jersey, it was worn during the 87-88 playoff run. That was, for those who don't remember, including me, it's when the Oilers won their fourth of fifth Stanley Cup t- titles. On Sunday night during the gray flannel auctions, that jersey sold for one point four five. $2 million. It's the most ever paid for a hockey jersey. $1.452 million. That seems low to me. For the most ever paid by a hockey jersey? Doesn't that number seem low? You know, I guess you're right. Maybe in the 2 to $5 million range. That's what but, I would think. But you would guess it would be a Wayne Gretzky jersey that would go for the highest bidder, right? 100%. But $1.452 million. If you had that much money and you could buy something in the sports world, what would you buy? I'm not a big tangible type, uh, you know, uh, memorabilia type person, I would buy an experience. I would say, I want to go out, you know, to dinner, grab beers, even go play, you know, a round of of golf. I'm not actually going to be playing. I'm just going to be the little fly on the wall watching the conversation with Allen Iverson, Bo Jackson, and Tiger Woods. Oh, that is quite... My three favorite athletes of all time. 
and I just get to hang out and watch them have a good time, talk sports, talk about their greatness, and uh, I get to just participate. I would spend a lot of money on that. Experiences are always the way to go. Always the way to go. I'm with you. I don't really care about baseball cards or autographs. Is there any piece of memorabilia you'd buy? Okay, so I always said that, and this is so weird, but I like art. And so if there was something I would want, it would be something so weird that I could display in my house like a piece of art. Like... I know that it's no longer with us, but I always said I would love Chris Carpenter's rib that was removed. That we nicknamed him Baseball Jesus. He had the rib after uh-huh. the surgery. I would love to get that like cast in gold or something. And hey, that's Chris Carpenter's rib or the moth that flew in Matt Holiday's ear. Uh-huh. Get the moth somehow pressed in glass. That's the moth that flew in Matt Holiday's ear. Something so bizarre and weird that's really singular that is a definite conversation piece that's what I would want in my house I love that you're taking pieces of like human body <laughs> I know you so know weird. parts and like dead animals and definitely and putting them on your wall but hey listen you're right it is art and uh it's, it's kind of sick and cool and interesting can't you see walking into my house you're like what is that bug pressed in glass you're like actually it's a great story that is the moth that flew in the ear of World Series champion and Cardinals Hall of Famer Matt Holiday. you would have dinner party stories for days that's right yeah and then people would be like, how did you get the moth? What did you pay for the moth? How did you? How did the moth get from the ear to, to your house? I mean, it's a story. I would have so many questions. That's what I'm saying. Whereas it's a great if, you, piece. if you walk by a jersey, you're like, oh, cool. Wayne Nobody Gretzky. cares. Nobody really cares. Right. You know, we've seen jerseys before. We've never seen a moth that was in a Cardinals Hall of Famer's ear before. And also, like, I don't know. I think jerseys, to, well, you're going to frame the jersey, obviously, if you're spending a million dollars on it. Yeah. You're not going to wear it. You buy a jersey not to wear? Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. I know. I'm with you. That's Alexa Dad. I'm Michelle Smallman. That was your Killing Me Smalls here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, a great weekend for the Cardinals up at Wrigley. We're going to recap it with Danny Mack, our Monday visit with him. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN, Alexa Dat and Michelle Smallman taking you down the stretch here. We're joined now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and we are joined by the voice of the Cardinals on Valley Sports Midwest, friend of the show, friend in life. It's Dan McLaughlin. Good morning, Dan. How you doing? Good morning, friends. How are you? We, did Hello, you, friends. Did you just Jim Nance us? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Dan, let's jump right in uh, because we got a lot to get two with you before we close out the show here, but the Cardinals take three of five from the Cubs over the weekend, and so many contributions from a lot of these young players. Obviously, uh, Brendan Donovan continues to impress Juan Yepes. Zach Thompson had an had a great debut. That's just to name a few, but this is what the Cardinals do well, but it's really on display right now with this team, Dan, where they have a strong veteran presence and that infusion of strong young players. Yeah, and because of that, Michelle, they're going to have some really tough decisions to make it's a great problem to have but O'Neill is is very close I would assume that he's going to join us uh here in Tampa and I would think that Dylan Carlson is not far away a lot of times Bo will wait till a homestand ends or a series begins or a homestand begins to make that move um unless you're making something pretty significant and O'Neill could be a significant add because he's been hitting the ball so well uh, down in the minor leagues. But to your point, I mean, they've had nine debuts this year, and all nine have been significant um, in terms of helping this team win. So great problem to have. I, I don't see how you can take Brendan Donovan out of the lineup, and they're going to have to get creative as they go, which is uh, what makes this fun. 
Danny Mac, who stands out to you the most if you had to give a, a Rookie of the Month award for the Cardinals? It's got to be Donovan. Um, and great job, Alexa at Wrigley. It was fun. Um, I, I think that it's got to be him just because he's played right, he's played left, he's played second. Uh, you hit him fifth, you hit him sixth, you hit him ninth, and all he does is hit. And he's really been clutch late in games. And this weekend, he was just fantastic. Um, outfield assist. Uh, last night, you think about a diving catch in left field when he has never played a major league inning in left field in game two of the doubleheader, which saved two runs. Then he comes through late with uh, the four runs batted in in game two. And then yesterday, again, he comes through late. I mean, the guy has just been magnificent, and the stage hasn't been too big, which is something that you always worry about with these young kids. But that's another point that I think, Michelle, to asking about you know all these guys coming up, um, they're not scared. Um, they're ready for the situation, and that's a credit to the organization to have these guys prepared to, to play at this level and to, to not just be here but to fit in and contribute, and that's what they're doing. Dan, there was an article in the Chicago Sun-Times that got a lot of people talking about how the Cubs are in this big market and have all of these resources, and the Cardinals are in a smaller market, yet the Cubs are on the precipice of yet another rebuild and the Cardinals continuously maintain that success and that the fans demand for success is a contributing factor to the way that these two teams approach their business. And I know that the BFIB gets frustrated sometimes because the Cardinals haven't won a world series since 2011, but as you're up in Wrigley and you see the state of the, of the Cubs, isn't it just another reminder of the differences between the Cardinals and the Cubs and the success of both programs? Well, I, I think when you look and and how organizations go about um, winning, and the Cubs should have been set to win, in my opinion, for a long time. I mean, when you had Schwarber, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, um, that's a hell of a nucleus that you can, if you want to spend the money and try to keep them together, that you're going to win some games just by having that group stay together. What's really surprising for me, just from the outside looking in, and I don't know all the backstories with each guy, but I thought at least one, if not two, would have stayed, and you'd have at least a, a foundation of those guys. Now, are they going to age? Like in Rizzo's case, he, case, he's over 30. I think he's 31 or 32. He's going to age, and maybe the back end doesn't look great on that. Yeah, but I still think, though, there's something about keeping those kind of guys around, one or two, if not all, but they didn't. And um, in terms of what's happening with the Cardinals, I, I do think the expectation is, to win every single year. Um, I mean, it's talked about nonstop. I was talking to Ali the other day about it, and he just said, man, my my feeling is is that I'm here to win, and I'm here not just to you know piece a lineup together. The expectation is that we win. So whether somebody gets hurt, somebody doesn't perform, you know, my job as the manager is to win. And so no excuses. And I, I just think that that's the way they go about it, and I think part of it is what we talked about earlier – the fact is, you know, you can look at the Cubs and say they don't spend money. They have not been able to develop a lot of pitching either. And conversely, the Cardinals have developed not only some pitching, but also some position players. And so that keeps your, your payroll respectable. Now, the Cardinals do spend. They're in the top 10 every year of payroll. But my point is, instead of putting, you know, 45, 50% of it towards two or three players, they're able to spread it around a bit. And, and remain competitive. So, on uh, you know, every aspect on the business side, they've done just a really good job of being able to manage that and keep that um, to a point where you can stay competitive but yet still have some of those big names in your lineup. 
Danny Mac, I think one of the biggest questions for Cardinals fans right now is the pitching staff, right? In the Cards, three wins against the Cubs. Relievers pitched 12 and two-thirds innings. Helsley, Gallegos, Cabrera, Zach Thompson. I mean, is this sustainable going forward for the bullpen to have to shoulder so much of this load? I would say no, but it could have been a lot worse coming out of that weekend series at Wrigley. I mean, a ton worse. I thought Ali, this was his best job in terms of um, all year, and I think he's done a really good job all year. But in terms of trying to you know, navigate a really delicate situation with five games in four days in a ballpark that sometimes the, blow, the wind's blowing out and all of a sudden you know, you're giving up four or five home runs or a ton of runs, which was the case in one of the games over the weekend, you've you got to just – sometimes push guys to the point of being uncomfortable. And that may have been the case uh, last night with Cabrera. And I was talking to Ali, and uh, on the plane, he came back to where we sit, you know, Lex in the back of the plane there, and, and uh, we were talking, and I said, man, Cabrera for four? He goes, well, I go out and I talk to every reliever, and I say, how you doing? How you feeling? What do you got? And he said, one guy said, well, I got one for you, Skip. I got two for you. He went to Cabrera, and he said, I got four for you. He said, four, huh? like joking. And he said, okay, well, we'll find out about that. We'll see what happens tonight. And sure enough, they got four out of them. So <laughs> he's the kind of guy that can bounce back and, and, you know, he's probably not going to pitch in this series, but if you needed him tomorrow, he's got that rubber arm to, to go back out there. So there's certain guys you can lean on in this situation. Others you can't, but I think the news is getting better with um, Jack Flaherty coming back. That's huge. Matt's coming back. Hicks coming back. So that'll be able to sustain some of those innings that maybe, um, you know, you're a little bit worried about right now. But to the, the main point of what you're talking about, Alexa, no. I mean, if, if guys are going four or five innings, that's not sustainable. But I wouldn't anticipate that's going to be the case all the time. The Cardinals off today, back in action at Tampa Bay tomorrow, 6-10 start. Danny Mack, we will be watching. Thanks so much for the time today, and we will talk to you next Monday. Danny Mack, you're the okay, best. Guys. Thanks, buddy. You too, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's Andy Mack here on 101 ESPN. And we've run out of time. we got to get out of here because it's time for a balloon party here on 101 ESPN. This flew by. Matt Rocchio, doing great work as always. Thank you so much. Pleasure. And Alexa Dat, what a fun morning with you. Thanks so much for getting up early and hanging out with us. I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. That's Alexa Dat. I'm Michelle Smallman, Karen Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Randy will be back tomorrow. Coming up next, though, it's Tim McKernan and Action Jackson. It's a balloon party, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.